Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to another edition of The Sea Report with your host, that's me, Michael Aaron Gossetis, otherwise known as Mr. C. And it's good to be here with you guys tonight on this Monday evening. We are live, and this is uh, Monday, March 14th. 2022, ladies and gentlemen, already March 14th of the third month of the year that is 2022, the year of our Lord. Ah, tomorrow's the Ides of March, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, that should be pretty interesting. You know what they always say about the Ides of March, right, Brutus? Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes, guys. We'll see if uh, if we're really going to have a little bit of that March madness that uh, people keep on talking about here. I ain't talking about basketball championship games or anything like that. Uh, let us not be construing those to be such things, ladies and gentlemen. But at, we'll see what happens. You know, it seems like there is a lot coming down the turnpike in a way that's almost so strategically crafted. It's almost too good to be true. But, ladies and gentlemen... We are at that point where the good truth does come out. So we'll, uh, we'll continue to monitor those. In fact, you know, there'll be a couple little plugs here and there as we go through tonight's show, kind of referencing what we're talking about. Of course, October Surprise, March Madness, you know, we're used to these kind of turn phrases here in uh, the uh, independent world of patriotism and, uh, you know, love for America. How about just love for truth, ladies and gentlemen, or at least trying to get as accurate a truth as we possibly can. And I think even though right now we are seeing things so much more clearly and so much more discernibly than we probably ever have in the last however amount of decades, it's also one of the most confusing times when we're talking about accurate truth and accurate knowledge and who's saying what and who's saying who. You know, you guys know exactly what I am talking about. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about Russia and Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to have a bit of a split show for you guys today. Uh, I'm going to try and tackle all of the Russia-Ukraine news I can in the span of the first half of the show, because uh, there was a lot that was going on this weekend, I'm sure. If you've been paying attention to any of the headlines since about, oh, I don't know, Thursday or Friday, things were already ramping up, okay? And then uh, all of a sudden, here comes a glorious Saturday and Sunday, and you got, uh, you got um, I don't know, U Ukrainian... Uh, Ukrainian uh, internet influencers dying of pregnancy. We'll get to that one in just a minute. I have, uh, I have my own thoughts on that, ladies and gentlemen. Dark as that might sound. But yeah, so we're going to do that tonight. And then, of course, uh, I'm sure you guys heard about this, uh, this um, uh, episode, this interview uh, that President Trump participated in with, um, with a contingent known as the Nelk boys, if I'm not mistaken. I think I'm saying that right. So anyhow, I don't know what the good president said, ladies and gentlemen, but it was good enough 
to get it banned and censored, uh, I'm guessing it may not have been so much what President Trump said as who it was that he was talking to. You just can't have someone like Donald Trump on a hip, cool boy show like that, an urban boy show. I'm guessing they're an urban show. I don't know. They look like it. I'm not, I don't think I'm superficially judging them. But, uh, I mean, you know President Trump's not going to say something like, uh, if you can't tell the difference between me and Trump, you ain't black, okay? You know President Trump's not going to say something like that. In fact, he's probably not even going to tell him that he has a bottle of hot sauce in his pocket, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I know I'm misspeaking. I know of the uh, four gentlemen who uh, um, do that show, only one of them is black. Okay, I get it, all right? But they've got that, like, you know vibe about them, ladies and gentlemen. They're hip, they're young, they're cool, they're into politics. I don't know. I've never heard of them. But uh they're they're bigger than they're bigger than share apparently because uh you know well President Trump went on their show and uh yeah so uh we're actually gonna split the show doing uh the interview tonight for those of you who haven't gotten to see it yet. I haven't gotten to see it yet, so I don't know. I'm expecting it to be a cool old time, right, ladies and gentlemen, between uh, the Nulk Boys and President Trump. And uh, uh, apparently he talks about some things with you. I don't know. Uh, In the pre-interview, which I previewed on the way to getting the interview, you know, uh, one of them was saying something to the effect that uh, it's the first time President Trump is speaking on this issue. And I was like, ooh, what's he going to talk about? And uh, he was like, he chose our show to talk about Russia and Ukraine. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, uh, he's been talking about it for about, I don't know, two, three months now. (laughs) But uh, who knows? Maybe he'll bring up some kind of like groundbreaking, sky-shattering point on Russia and Ukraine that we haven't heard yet. And uh, as I was saying at the in the first few minutes of my discourse here, it is just getting such of a whirligig over there in Russia and Ukraine. It's very possible that he's going to say something groundbreaking and earth-shattering about Russia and Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it for one second at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I hope you guys are doing well on this Monday night. Uh, we took the weekend off. Uh, incidentally, some of you guys probably might have noticed it. We had uh, President Trump doing his rally there in South Carolina, Florence, South Carolina. Now, we didn't miss it on purpose, okay? Uh, but I did have a family engagement that I had already been pre-booked to. And, uh, well, family comes first, ladies and gentlemen, even before our fair president But, you know, I tried to get them to listen to his speech on the way home, and they just would not do it. Fortunately for myself, I had a a contingent friend with me there, you know, my beloved sis, and she, uh, she hooked me up with the earbud, yeah, so I could go. They're like, you can't just put it aside this one time, and I was like, you can't just listen to it this one time? I was like... And then they were like, well, he says the same thing every time. I was like, he said the same thing the first six rallies he did. And then things started to change in the news. And then it got interesting. But that argument still did not win them over. Anyhow, guys, it was a fun time. And uh, well, from what I understand, the uh, rally was a very good time as well. So, you know, I hope you guys got to enjoy it. Sorry you did not have the uh, the comfort of the Mr. C chats or the Mr. C channel or Mr. C TV to hang out in. But I know wherever you guys went, you were probably just at home. 
listening to the words of our president and to the future of our country, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, so that's what was going on for myself anyways this weekend. And uh, well, now we're back and we're at them and we're ready to get them. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got a full show for you tonight, even though half the show will be an interview. Now, this is one of the reasons why, because don't get me wrong, we want to archive and we want to listen to the words of our president. But when I'm trying to run a two-hour show, a three-hour show sometimes, sometimes it's four hours, and I have all of this information that I want to talk about and cover and read. Uh, his, you know, it's going to be an hour-long interview tonight, guys. So, like I said, I'm going to cram as much of the Russia information as I can in the first hour or so. And then we will uh, just relax and listen to the interview, watch the interview uh, between President Trump and the Nelk Boys. So, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I would say it's kind of like, you know an easy day because I have half the show is going to be an interview and I'm just sitting back and watching it and, and hanging out with you guys. But at the same time, when you see all the information that I have for you guys on Russia, don't worry guys, it's almost over. My sources tell me, just kidding, I don't have any sources. The only sources I have are what I read on the news. Uh, but no, those sources do say, uh, particularly if you're looking at Russian news, etc., uh, that uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine is looking to have this war, quote unquote, war done with and completed by May, which I think is outstanding considering he's not really fighting in a war and uh, he has absolutely no control, at least it seems, about what's going on in that respect. So, uh, but yeah, bold words by President Zelensky. It will be over by May, if not sooner. So saith uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine. But we'll see how it goes, guys. We will see how it goes. Hey, you guys. You, hey, man, what's, we, getting some, we getting some cookie love over there. Hey, Relanon, thank you for the 117 gold pills. And uh, Sean Joe, Sean Joe, Mikey, Bad, Relanon, and Sean Joe, thank you for the cookies. Oh, how'd you guys know I just had dinner? And I needed that sweet spot to get hit, if you know what I mean. All right, guys. Thanks for being live with us. We're also live tonight. And another cookie coming in. We're getting a cookie fight. Uh, we're live tonight on foxhole.appill.net. And, you know, I just realized I'm missing my little tag here. Do you guys notice it? Watch. Ready? One, two, three, go. What's different? <laughs> for those of you on the podcast version of this show, you do not have the ability to participate in the game that we just played. But you can always check us out over at the foxhole.app, at pill.net, at twitch.tv, at rumble.com, or at clouthub if you want to catch us on the live. And then, of course, to all of my uh, live streaming viewers out there, you can always check out that podcast at anchor.fm slash the sea report, or just search for the sea report on your favorite podcasting platform. All right, guys. So awesome. Hey, I got that, you know, pretty, pretty, I got that little plug in pretty quick and good, huh? I'm getting better. Oh, and, well, while we're at it, don't forget, check out the cereport.com. Join our mailing list. We just updated every single episode in our resources page, except for the last two. So I expect those will be up in the next day or so, and that will be complete, and the website will be ready to go. And after that, all I have to do is just start loading in some articles, loading in some articles, because we've got a lot of articles that we want to make sure definitely get archived, since a lot of this information tends to, uh, I don't know, vanish on the internet, right? 
Okay, guys. Cool, 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 cool. Are we good? We good? We square? We square? Oh, you know, I didn't even get to adjust my... Okay, we're good. I was like, I didn't get to adjust my images. So some of these images might be crooked. They might be a little um, um, uh, lopsided. They might be a little smaller or larger than they appear on your screen, folks. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's not you. It's me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we got a few President Trump statements to get us going tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see where we begin with President Trump and the words. See, I told you the words that he has to say to you and to me and to everybody. All right. Save America. Hallelujah. Okay, this says here from the 12th of March. This is two days old, guys. The story is fake news about my plane being mothballed in Stewart Airfield in Newburgh, New York, because I didn't think I would need it until 2025. What is President Trump talking about? I've never heard of such a story. He says, my plane, a Boeing 757, is going through a major scheduled maintenance program, which will be completed in approximately 90 days. It will then be put back into service. I was not allowed to use it during the presidency and did not. Okay, wait. So uh, was he supposed to be flying somewhere in his stylish Boeing 757? I've seen it. It's quite pretty. Uh, and and who's publishing a story about him? Are they so desperate for stories on Trump? Well, yeah, they're just desperate. They are just desperate. This lamestream, shamestream media is just desperate. Uh, I think we'll have plenty of stories to illustrate that tonight. If you guys, I know you guys are keeping up with that Ukraine crap out there and, uh, the Russian propaganda and all that stuff, you know, they are just making it so easy to see who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. I don't know. It's like, I know life isn't that easy, ladies and gentlemen, that there's one good guy and one bad guy and one uh, right side and one wrong side, etc., etc. But, uh, well, you know, like I said, for our part here at the Sea Report, we are just uh, making assessments and gauging it by what we see in the news. Whose side is more accurate? Russia's or the Western black-backed globalist powers? Hmm. So far, ladies and gentlemen, it kind of seems to me like Russia is a little bit more accurate on uh, what they're telling us. But... I'll let you guys decide that for yourself. Okay, so apparently they are attacking President Trump because his Boeing 757 was not ready. Mothballed, they say. Are they trying to say something about President Trump? Do they think he smells like mothballs? Are they saying that he's ready to be preserved? Was that some type of a double message? Nah, I don't think so. I think I'm just being paranoid, but that's in my nature, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, forgive. All right, here's our next statement from President Trump. March 14th. Hey, we're getting current. All right. It says Time Warner. Oh, wait, let me expand this for you guys so you don't have to see my emphatic features as I read the screen. Time Warner, the owner of fake news CNN, has just announced that they will be terminating a very popular and wonderful news network. O-A-N. Aw, it's sad. We knew this was coming, guys. Between heavily indebted Time Warner and radical left Comicast, which runs Xfinity, there is a virtual monopoly on news, thereby making what you hear from the lamestream media largely fake. Hence the name, Fake News. 
I believe the people of this country should protest the decision to eliminate OAN, a very important voice. Likewise, Comicast is terrible and expensive. Let them know that you're sick and tired of fake news. In this modern age of technology, they are no longer necessary. Demand that OAN be allowed to stay on the air. It is far bigger and more popular than anyone knows. And importantly, it represents the voice of a very large group of people. Sounds good, President Trump. Well, we all knew that this day was coming for OAN. We could read it in the tea. We could see it on the wall. We could read it in the cards. Okay. Um, Do you think President Trump pushing for um, pushback on uh, Comicast and, uh, and Time Warner will be effective? It could be. It could be. Uh, in my opinion, OAN is, by leaps and bounds, much better than Newsmask, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I know I've been hesitant to say about this thing I heard about Newsmask, but, I mean, I mean I'll just say it today, I mean, because, I, I, you know... I've come to understand that this person is usually right on in their assessment and knowledge of things. But, you know, Tory says that uh, Newsmask is actually owned by Media Matters. Okay, so I haven't had the time to go look that up. That's what Tory says. So you guys, you guys go and look that up and see and let me know if I'm right or wrong. Let me know if she's right or wrong. No, I'm pretty sure she's right. Uh, But yeah, no. Media matters, guys. In bed with Newsmask. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next uh, slide here, ladies and gentlemen. We got um, Save America, March 11th. All right. Now we're taking a few days back, guys. Now we're going a few days back. Now this says here, whatever happened to free speech in our country? Incredibly, but not surprisingly, The big tech lunatics have taken down my interview with the very popular Nelk Boys so that nobody can watch it or in any way listen to it. In the 24 hours that it was up, it set every record for them by many times. Interestingly, on the show, I told them this would happen because big tech and the fake news media fear the truth. They fear... Oh, sorry, guys. I forgot to do that again. They fear... (laughs) They fear criticism about Biden, and above all, they don't want to talk about the rigged 2020 presidential election. All topics discussed. In Russia, the people are not allowed to know that they're fighting a war in Ukraine. But they know President Trump. What are you talking about? That's where our media is going, and that's where our country is going, because it quickly follows. Just study history. He could have said, you know, in America... Americans are not allowed to know that the deep state is running a whole bunch of hostile activities and money laundering schemes out of Ukraine and that Russia is just trying to liberate the people of Ukraine. But you know what? I cannot be mad at President Trump for not saying something like that, because do you know how many Americans would not believe that narrative to be true? Not my audience. My audience obviously knows. Right. But 
How many Americans volunteered to go fight for Ukraine? 3,000? 3,000 Americans volunteered to go fight for Ukraine against Russia? That tells you if he were to say something like that. Oh, well, the deep state's running this uh, money laundering, hostile, and uh, world takeover dominance scheme out of Ukraine. They'd be like, we don't even need a 25th Amendment, yo ass. You crazy, President Trump. You crazy. Yeah, so that's why he wouldn't say something like that, even though I'm pretty sure he understands what's going on over there. I mean, come on, guys. Okay, so uh, the statement continues. Are we going to allow this to happen? Our country is going to hell. Look at your gas prices, inflation, the Afghanistan debacle, our border, the war with Ukraine, which should have never happened, and so much more. We need freedom of speech again. We don't have it. And it's getting worse every day. So this statement here was definitely a lead into President Trump's interview with the Nelk Boys, which I have decided to air at the end of tonight's broadcast. So you're going to have to wait in line just a little bit to hear that interview if you haven't yet already. And if you haven't, well, I hope you stick around and hang out and you enjoy that viewing with us. Here comes another Nelk Boy statement. This one's from the 12th. Such fake news and stories about me on Google. Anything positive does not get reported. Even the Nelk Boys record-setting interview with me was taken down because I told the truth, which the radical left cannot handle. The media and big tech is doing everything possible to destroy our country. They are truly the enemy of the people. Indeed, President Trump. And we can just do a quick follow-up on that one, guys, because uh, let's just face it. We demand freedom of press, says President Trump, in regards to uh, everything, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have a free press anymore. And, uh, well, I mean, they're all embeds, right? They're all embeds, ladies and gentlemen, as you all know. Every single one of them. If they're not embedded with some three-letter agency, they're owed money because they killed their family in 9-11 or they're part of some bloodline. They're not just embeds, they're inbreds. Lord almighty. Okay, so, all right, guys, what did I do? Oh, no, I jumped the gun. Ladies and gentlemen, I meant to show you this. Boop. All right, so there you go, guys. It's President Donald J. Trump, Mr. J., and the Nelk Boys. So uh, as I said, stay tuned and we will listen to this interview. We will watch this interview at the end of the hour. You see? You see why they had to take this interview down? Look at this demographic. You can't have President Trump on a demographic like this. I don't care if they're three quarters white. They're wearing baseball caps and like millennial clothes and stuff. And he's not going to tell them that he has hot sauce in his pocket. And he's not going to tell them if you don't know whether you're going to vote for me, you ain't cool or black or whatever. You ain't a milk boy. Anyways, he's not going to do it. He's probably going to ace this interview, right? Now, there are some people I've heard that when they get outside of their demographic, demographically speaking, they get uncomfortable, you know, like, uh, I'm a 75-year-old man. What am I going to be doing talking with some 20-year-olds, right? That stands to reason, right? There is, there is sometimes that slightly turgid sense of fear. 
that little slight apprehension. But uh, I don't think that's going to be the case with uh, President Trump. He's an every man's man. You know, uh, in every case that we've seen him, he's been so down to earth with everybody, right? Even even the janitors. Hell, he probably treats the janitors better than his execs, right? So anyways, guys. All right. So that's going to do it for President Trump's statements for now. I'm moving fast because we got a lot to cover. I'm telling you guys. And it's an hour long interview and we're not going to be here all night long. I promise you that. But uh, hey, Bubbles, welcome into the show. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you're doing well this evening. Sean Joe says O-A-N-N. All right, buddy. They're the One American News Network, right? That's what I call them too. Is the only trustworthy channel. And I wholeheartedly stand behind that statement, Mr. Sean Joe. Uh, Sean Joe says Fox has a couple of people and Newsmax a couple. Yeah, you know, I would say that too for Newsmax, not the organization, but they do have some uh, some reporters, personalities, etc. within their ranks. But overall, as a uh, as an organization, that's why I call them Newsmask, ladies and gentlemen, because they would be a gatekeeper. They would take you only so far. They would be like. Fox News, who all of a sudden wants war with Ukraine and they want to kill people because they have vested interests and those vested interests are the people who pay their paychecks. So, hey, Tam Growl, how's it going tonight? Hello, Angel. Hope you're doing well tonight. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so that's going to take us right over to our first little screen now. Assume that... Hey! Now, uh, Assume that... this, uh, this is what? This came out on March 9th, so all of you guys... I'm so sure are very familiar with this. In fact, when this came out, we talked about it, right? But we haven't played the video. So we're going to play this two-minute video. This is going to set our stage for the Russia conversation tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, We're going to start first with the biolabs. We're going to make sure we get all of that information documented, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We're going to move on to propaganda, false flags, and tall tales also tonight because there's a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot more out there right now than I thought there were. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth going on. There's a lot of he said, she said stuff, guys, that is happening right now. Some stuff I don't even know if all of us are really too familiar with, but you will be after tonight. And then we'll look at some analysis on uh, the battle plans. Uh, what does it look like on the ground? What are people seeing? What's, what's the feel? And now, again, you're going to get two different stories depending on who you're talking to. Uh, and on one side, you're going to hear all the Russians have low morale and they don't know why they're here and they want to commit suicide. On the other side, you'll hear the operation is running smoothly in exactly the way that it should be. So we'll take a look at that tonight, ladies and gentlemen. But let us start with the biolabs. Okay. Okay. Here we go. But the materials exist in today. The confirmations that were made these days by the Ukrainian side and by the United States of America, there was a statement made by the Deputy Secretary of State, Victoria Nuland, leave no doubt, will will not leave an opportunity for Washington to keep silence this time. We remember how many years and also their their attempts uh, while spilling blood to find biological and chemical weapons throughout the world, while in fact occupying, killing people. They were looking in the wrong place. We have found instead of you. We have found your own products. 
we have found your biological material. It was developed primarily for military purposes. As it turns out, it was all happening in Ukraine. What were you doing there? It's a different continent. It has no borders with you. There are no bases of yours. What were they doing there under the guise of scientific research? Your specialist, among others, on a regular basis, they were giving instructions to the Ukrainian side as to the purposes of their studies involved. Now, considering that we have the evidence that cannot be refuted, we demand that you provide details. The world must know what were, were you intending to do there, to what end, within which deadline, what was the amount of the so-called investments in the biological activities of Ukraine. The data, materials, documents, please provide them. Enough games. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that happened. Okay, that happened approximately uh, five days ago or so. Four or five days ago. Okay, now uh, I know I just about hit it whenever uh, this came out. Now, of course, you have everyone and their mama basically saying that this is propaganda. This is uh, Russia. Well, now actually that they're saying that uh, they have totally tricked the United Nations, right? And the United Nations is kowtowing and they're being manipulated by Russia over this, uh, this incident here. But uh, this, we had the director of information and the press department of the ministry of foreign affairs for the Russian Federation. Her name is Maria Zlodimarova Zakharova. I already know that I messed that up, but she told the United States on the 9th that they found those biological weapons. Now, there was a statement made by the Deputy Secretary of State, Victoria, Victoria Newland, leave no doubt, will not give Washington to be silent this time. So she's naming Newland also, okay? For those of you guys who out there were wondering why Newland is a big deal, oh, she's a big deal, okay? She's a big deal. And of course, now we have uh, Russia demanding the information, explain an explanation for why they are doing what they are doing. Okay, and uh, of course, Russia has now accused the United States of violating the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention and that they've been covering it up. Okay, now they're not the only ones now. Of course, we know China's also throwing their uh, hat in the ring on this issue as well. Uh, I think the most interesting thing here, though, is the um, the scurry, if you will, of the deep state department rats over this issue, guys. It is uh, it is it is very interesting to watch because everything that they are doing is just falling apart at the seams. Uh, they make one move and they are countered at the very next move. They make one false report and all of the independents, all the anons, if you will, all the digital warriors out there have already dissected it into nothingness, ladies and gentlemen. And so they are not thriving in this environment. You know, lies cannot uh, survive in an environment of truth. And, uh, well, that is exactly the point of time that we are coming to. 
Let's see here. Uh, Newland put those labs there. Well, you know, Newland, she had a big hand to play in all of that. Miss Tam Grell, I would probably say Obama, maybe, right? But she did work for Obama in the State Department. She's working for Biden as well. Uh, Vanguard 360, thank you so much for getting the can. Good evening. Good to see you. Biblicist! Good evening, friend. Good to see you. Uh, and yes, that is exactly the premise that we work on here, Biblicist. Biblicist says, whatever American News says, I believe the opposite. Well, I, 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 will, I, will, uh, I will take that and I will, I will uh, up it this way. Whatever any mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake stream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird, pedophile media, any establishment media across the world, okay? Because when you start to, and it's harder when you're reading um, journals and magazines and publications from media in other countries, because you have to look for those key words that lets you know what side they're on, okay? Because otherwise, it could be an independent local. You never know, right? But at the same time, if you got very, very small local independence in the States, it's probably a whole lot harder to find a really good independent outside of uh, our shores. And I say that because they are way more establishment controlled outside of America. I, I, I would think, okay, I would think they're more establishment controlled, particularly in the Isle of the Five Eyes, if you know what I mean. But, you know, even when we were doing South America articles and we were doing news from South America and we were, oh, let me tell you what, like, you know, it, it was... Uh, it was something to have to really uh, dig and, and try and verify. But then you start to catch those keywords like right wing activists or, you know, neo-Nazis. It's like, OK, we, we know we know what side these guys are on. OK, obviously, we have to take this article with a grain of salt. But yes, absolutely. Indeed. Good point there. Good point. Uh, let's see here. As if the UN didn't know everything. They know everything. Now that's the thing. Okay. So whenever you guys are watching stories about the United Nations, particularly involved in this, uh, whole, well, everything really, but if particularly involved with, cause, cause the spotlight is really on it right now. So if it's especially involved with this biolabs thing, just watch it from the perspective, like they've been busted. And then all of their mannerisms, their vocal inflections, their gestures, everything seems very posed and manufactured because they know they've been busted, okay? Like nothing before, okay? Like nothing before. And, you know, I also read recently that um, we're going to have web engines. We're going to have uh, any of the major um, uh, tech platforms are going to start to... Uh, de-platform and they're going to start to um, uh, algorithm away any websites that talk about the Russia perspective. So head on over to the C report today and make sure you sign up for our mailing list because that's all we've been talking about for a couple of months now. All right. So let's talk about this stuff with the biohazard. See the biohazard things. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, guys. I didn't get a chance to. There we go. I didn't get a chance to uh, straighten up my graphics, okay? I'm a one-man team here. So as I said, we have, um, we have, the, uh, we have uh, the Russian Federation, as well as China, calling for uh, explanations. I mean, China's throwing their hat in the ring, but, you know, obviously it's the Russian Federation. Uh, accusing the United States of violating the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention. Now, the Biological Weapons Convention, guys, uh, of 1972 was an international treaty that banned uh, 
Bioweapons needs to be strengthened with a compliance verification mechanism. Contrary to the United States position on the issue, Moscow said on Wednesday, the calls come in the wake of reported discovery of evidence that were lethal pathogens at Pentagon-backed labs in Ukraine. Now, everyone's going to tell you left and right from Sunday that there are no such things as bioweapons labs or biolabs in Ukraine. In fact, Victoria Newland's going to say they were research centers, right? Oh, ever so tersely and cautiously, she will tell you Ukraine had research, bio, bio research centers, making sure that she is walking the line on her word choice because she knows they've been caught. They weren't expecting anyone to shine this light down on their uh, on their schemes. So the Russian military reported this week that Ukrainian authorities had ordered the destruction of highly pathogenic samples that were stored at U.S.-backed biological labs throughout the country. So Ukraine wanting to destroy highly pathogenic samples. Okay. Okay, so clearly they're already creating dangerous stuff over there. To what end? Well, we don't know just yet, right? Now, the purported documents indicate that both Ukraine and the United States breached the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention, which both nations signed and ratified. The Russian Foreign Ministry alleged on Wednesday, the 9th, that this was in violation, and the order to destroy the samples was them attempting to cover up the violations of the treaty. Okay? So you'll have someone like Newland sitting out there saying, well, we need to destroy them because they're coronavirus. Aha! Is that what's going on, Victoria Newland? Well, no, she said they need to destroy them in case the Russians get a hold of those biolabs, right? <clears throat> and uh, they decide to release these bioweapons. Now, you know, that's not what's happening, I guarantee it. You think they're really going to destroy those? So one of the big hooplas that first came in whenever Russia went in on the 24th of February was that they were bombing the biolabs and the bioweapons and the biowarfares labs in Ukraine. And the, that's where the targets landed in the same areas. So... You know, because we are an audience that's pretty logical-minded and, you know, reasonable-minded, uh, the question was, well, would they really want to bomb a lab and send all these pathogenic spores out into the atmosphere? To which I said, aha, uh -huh, touche, that is a very good point. So, my response to that was, well, most likely maybe then they had weapon systems or, I don't know, you know cannons or something around these maybe that's what they were bombing they were taking out all the military hardware around these biolabs and then they could go in i don't know if that's the fact of what's going on that is just an assessment based on everything that i've been studying and everything that i have been reading but that seems to be to make the most sense to me now pictured here on this screen ladies and gentlemen she's the evil evil victoria newland she who should be brought up on war crimes. She who should be brought up on uh, crimes against humanity. This woman pretty much single-handedly 
caused regime change in Ukraine in 2014. She brought in neo-Nazis. She's busted on tape, okay? Now, they had Yatsenyuk as their man in, in, uh, to stand in, right, for Yovanovic whenever he left Ukraine. But in that phone call where she says, F the European Union, F the European Union, I'm Victoria Newland," she recommended three names, and of those three names, one of them is a far-right, ultra-neo-Nazi leader, okay? The second one is associated with far-right, ultra-neo-Nazi uh, um, beliefs and uh, approaches to things. So she literally brought in the neo-Nazis and she told Jeffrey Pyatt, who is the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, in that phone call, Yes, yes, Yatsenyuk needs to be on the phone with them at least once or twice a week. Uh, and they'll be his point man and they'll help him. And then she had Biden go and seal the deal and uh, smooth it over and, you know, shake his hand and all that stuff. So Victoria Newland, guys, war crimes, crimes against humanity, destruction of sovereign nations in defiance of democracy, what they so proclaim to be all about right? The people's right to choose. The people's right. Yeah. Unless you have your own plans, Deep State Department and Victoria Newland. So, no, 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 no. This woman is big fish, ladies and gentlemen. She's the big fish that you don't always see, right? Because uh, we've been waiting for these monsters to come out. Now, that's not to say that no one knew what she was. No, all of that information is old, guys. All that information came out like... Five, six, seven years ago. But now it's resurfaced. Episode number 252 of the Sea Report, The Deep State Brings Out Their Rats, is exactly what this was about, okay? And uh, that's why we featured her in that episode that day, because she is big fish, okay? She's at the very top, but you never see her, all right? Now, not at the very top, obviously, the pyramid, but uh, where the State Department is concerned and all that uh, diplomacy, She's right up there, guys. She is right up there. Now, this is what um, this is what Victoria Newland had to say. Now, this was like literally within 24 hours of um, Russia making this announcement, right? Victoria Newland said, "Ukraine has biological research facilities, which we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to gain control of." So we are working with Ukrainians, that's how she pronounced it, on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into Russian hands. Okay, this was Victoria Newland, guilty, getting ahead of the narrative so that this way, if anything goes south against her favor or the favor of her department or the favor of her people, she can at least say, we told you that they had biolab research facilities. We didn't deny it. Not like all the other jokers in Congress are. Not like all the other jokers at the United Nations are. All the, no, there's no such thing as biolabs in uh, Ukraine. Oh, well, just about half the world has read all the documents that were declassified by the Pentagon. Okay, Pentagon papers, you know. So she's smart, guys. She's one smart cookie, okay? I didn't say she was a pretty cookie, but she is a smart cookie, okay? So she's getting ahead of the narrative here in that statement. And it's like almost immediately after she says this, they start denying that there's any such thing as a biolab. Who ever heard of a biolab? 
We don't even have those in America. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, yeah. Tell me about Manhattan, Kansas then, huh? It's the newest one that just opened up. All right. So there's that. And then, of course, on top of that, we have China sending their official spokesperson for the communist government to confront the United States on its 336 biological labs in 30 different countries around the world. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, they are all backed and funded by the Pentagon. That is our Department of Defense. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that means that all of us, myself, yourself, any productive citizen of this country are paying for that with our money, without permission of their own discretion against us. Okay. Against us. They, they have this great trick for doing that, using our own energy and will and spirit and production against us, okay? That is what is happening. Tam Growl says, yep, organizing a coup. She needs to get treated as a traitor. She needs to go before some... She needs to, she needs to be served some justice, y'all. She needs to be served some justice, Years ago, I memorized the fact that Victoria Newland gave CNN info. She was the leak from the Department of State. Hey, Raven2000, what's up, Raven? Uh, cool. Do you know what topic that was on that she leaked information? There was uh, during the um, Ukraine on Fire uh, documentary, they actually featured her quite a bit in that documentary. And uh, they talked about... Um, she was getting ahead of a narrative that was happening in Ukraine. It had to do with the protest and the coup. Um, yeah. And so, again, she does this preemptively so that this way she can wash her hands of it if it goes south, you know. But, yeah, very crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe Mark Rubio was warning her, Tam Grell. Tam Grell says, thanks to Marco Rubio. She was warned, I'm sure, what and how to say this crap. Well, I don't think he told her or fed her what to say. He might have just given her a heads up about the fact that they are now looking at that at Congress because of what has been discovered. So he tipped her off. But uh, this woman, she can craft her own, uh, she can craft her own spells. You know what I mean? So yeah, let's look at, let's look at some of these papers here. Um, Okay, we'll bring this onto the screen. Now, this is one such paper that was culled from the internet. Uh, and this is um, a Pentagon fact sheet. Now, it goes like this. It, and we're not going to go through all of it, obviously, but some key things. Kharkiv Diagnostic Laboratory, Kharkiv Oblast Laboratory Center, Permurky Region, Kharkiv Fact Sheet, uh, Technical Assistance Project, uh, designated recipients of the Ministry of Health of Ukraine, uh, the donor department, the Department of Defense of the United States of America, the beneficiary and the executive agent of the department is the Ministry of Health of Ukraine, and the recipient, of course, is the Kharkiv Oblast Laboratory Center. <clears throat> so that's basically, uh, well, there's basically a receipt right there, ladies and gentlemen. And then it goes into the construction and the design and the state acceptance of it, etc., uh, so it's not telling you what they're, oh, but it does say here, EDPS permit. It says permit for working with pathogens will be obtained after signing TOC and MOU. Total cost of the laboratory will be $1,638,375. And uh, 
and also an additional $1,195,398 for design and construction and an additional $442,977 worth of lab equipment and furniture. Now that was for one of the labs in the Kharkiv region, which if I'm not mistaken is Eastern Ukraine. Now this one here is for one in the Luhansk region. Uh, now, if you're wondering why the, the name Luhansk sounds familiar to you guys, that's because Luhansk is currently the uh, People's Republic of Luhansk in the Donbass region. That's right. Luhansk is one of the regions where they have the separatists who are fighting for their independence from uh, this uh, Ukraine government uh, that has so overwhelmed them and uh, just basically gone against what they want for their people and their place. State Regional Laboratory of Veterinary Medicine, it says, Luhansk Regional Diagnostic Veterinary Laboratory. <clears throat> now, does that mean that they're going to be uh, doing animal surgeries there? No, ladies and gentlemen, because in bio labs, you have different types of labs and the animal ones, like the veterinarian one, that means they actually have livestock there and they're actually using pigs and cows and stuff like that to like build diseases and spores and see if they can cross pollinate them or cross uh, cross species them. So that's what that's what that means. Don't don't think that they're going to be doing, you know, like uh uh, horseshoe replacements on a horse or something like that. Okay. Technical assistance project memorandum on technical assistance for project recipient of the state committee of veterinary medicine of Ukraine and national Academy of agrarian sciences of Ukraine, the donor, the department of defense of the United States of America, the beneficiary, the state committee of veterinary medicine of Ukraine. Okay. And then we can go back. And again, it's all about design construct, whatever acceptance, state acceptance, uh, it says here, EDPS permit, permit for working with pathogens will be obtained after signing TOC and MOU. Investment, $1,746,312, an additional $1,267,124, and an additional $479,188, ladies and gentlemen. So those are some of the, and these are not the only documents. Uh, if you get over to the Gateway Pundit, they actually have... Uh, in a concise article, an entire link link list of these different state Pentagon declassified documents that uh, they've been sharing um, to everyone to read, basically, guys. Uh, so it gets a little bit deeper from there, guys. Of course, as it normally does, it just it always gets deeper with these deep state actors, right? Well. Let's see here, guys. Um, this article, I believe, is from the Gateway Pundit, if I'm not mistaken. No, I take it back. This is from the National Pulse. Okay, so uh, they have a headline here. Exclusive deleted web pages show Obama led an effort to build a Ukraine-based biolab handing especially dangerous pathogens. Okay, now, as I go through this, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Victoria Newland says that they need to get with the Ukrainians on how to handle these pathogens. Uh, we have uh, other agencies saying that they're going to destroy the pathogens. We have Russia and China saying, well, you're just trying to destroy evidence of your wrongdoing. But I don't think for one minute that any deep state actor is going to destroy dangerous pathogens. Oh, no, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you know their MO, right? You know their MO. You know they're not going to destroy those pathogens. You just know it. 
right? Okay, let's check this uh, article out. It says here, um, recovered by the National Pulse, this article raises serious questions about United States government activity in Ukraine, stretching back almost two decades. A deleted web article recovered by the National Pulse reveals that former President Barack Obama spearheaded an agreement leading to the construction of biolabs handling especially dangerous pathogens in Ukraine. The news comes on the same day that Biden regime apartchik, apparatchik, excuse me, Victoria Newland told the U.S. Senate that the American government is concerned about biological research facilities falling into Russian hands as a result of the ongoing conflict in Eastern Europe. Originally posted on June 18, 2010, the article Biolab Opens in Ukraine details how Obama, while serving as an Illinois senator, helped negotiate a deal to build a level three biosafety lab in the Ukrainian city of Odessa. The article, which also highlighted the work of former Senator Dick Lugar, was additionally included in issue number 818 of the United States Air Force Counterproliferation Center's Outreach Journal. Lugar said plans for the facility began in 2005 when he and then-Senator Barack Obama entered a partnership with Ukrainian officials. Lugar and Obama also helped to coordinate efforts between the United States and Ukrainian researchers that year in an effort to study and help prevent avian flu. I'm sure it was to study and help expand. Uh, But that was explained by the author Tina Redlup. Now, here's the uh, article... I guess this is a screenshotted uh, biolab weapons open in Ukraine, June 17, 2010. U.S. Senator Dick Lugar applauded the opening of the interim central reference laboratory in Odessa, Ukraine this week, announcing that it will be instrumental in researching dangerous pathogens used by bioterrorists. The Level 3 Biosafety Lab, which is the first built under the expanded authority of the Nun-Lugar Cooperative Threat Reduction Program, will be used to study anthrax, tularemia, and Q fever, as well as other dangerous pathogens. Well, guys, I guess they were not successful at keeping Q fever from hitting the public. <laughs> the continuing cooperation of Nun Lugar partners has improved safety for all people against weapons of mass destruction and potential terrorist use, in addition to advancements in the prevention of pandemics and public health consequences. So by opening up this lab, they've managed to keep people safe from weapons of mass destruction and poten- potential terrorist use. Right, that makes total sense. Lugar said... Plans for the facility began in 2005 when he and then-Senator Barack Obama entered a partnership with Ukrainian officials. Lugar and Obama helped coordinate efforts between the U.S. and Ukraine researchers that year in an effort to study and help prevent avian flu. The Nun-Lugar Act, which established the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program, was established in 1991. Since that time, it has provided funding and assistance to help the former Soviet Union dismantle and safeguard large stockpiles of nuclear chemical and biological weapons. The program has also been responsible for destroying chemical weapons in Albania, Lugar said. All right. And uh, back to uh, the National Pulse portion of this article, a 2011 report from the U.S. National Academy of Sciences Committee on Anticipating Biosecurity Challenges of the Global Expansion of High Containment Biological Laboratories explained how the Odessa-based laboratory is responsible for the identification of especially dangerous biological pathogens. This laboratory was reconstructed and technically updated up to the BSL-3 level, that's Biosafety Lab 
three level through a cooperative agreement between the United States Department of Defense and the Ministry of Health of Ukraine that started in 2005. The collaboration focused on preventing the spread of technologies, pathogens, and knowledge that can be used in the development of biological weapons, the report continues. The updated laboratory serves as interim central reference laboratory with a depositarium, a pathogen collection. Does anyone have a depositarium I can go to? According to Ukrainian regulations, it has a permit to work with both bacteria and viruses of the first and second pathogenic groups, explains the report. A separate document detailing Ukraine's biolab network from the Bioweapons Prevention Project outlines in greater detail the scope of pathogens the facility has conducted research with. Among the viruses the lab studied were Ebola and viruses of pathogen. Gensity group number two by using of virology, molecular, serologica, and express methods. Additionally, the lab provided special training for specialists on biosafety and biosecurity issues during handling of dangerous biological pathogenic agents. And uh, this is just a table here in Ukraine. It says name and location of host institution. So uh, you go to state institution, Mechkov, Ukrainian scientific research. And then uh, it says it's a biosafety level three. It gives you all its specs. And then it tells you the scope. Look, Yersinia, Pestis, Basilisk, Anthrix, uh, Bruchella, SPP, Franchisella, Tulonaris. Uh, those are bio- bacteriological, molecular, and serological methods. Identification of bacteria pathogenic groups. So they're doing a lot of stuff there. The Unearthed Biolab facility follows intense scrutiny over the United States government's decision to fund risky gain-of-function research in Wuhan at a Chinese Communist Party-run lab with military ties. Very interesting article. Now, how many of you guys saw that meme out there? I think it just hit the memosphere today, y'all. But it's a meme about... President Trump and him always saying the China virus, right? Okay. Do you guys know where I'm going with this? I was looking for the name. I was looking for the name of the city. But there is a city in Ukraine. And in it is the word China. Okay. And uh, if I could just go look at the meme right now, but I can't. Uh, I could tell you the name, but um, apparently they found, now I don't know how true this is, but woe be damned, I don't doubt that it's not true, that the the coronavirus 19 originated in that lab in, uh, it's like Schlick, China, Ukraine. So every time President Trump was saying the China virus, it was made in China, he might have actually been talking about a city in Ukraine. Now, how crazy is that, y'all? That's pretty crazy, if you ask me. (laughs) That is pretty crazy, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. I told you my my graphics are not going to be aligned tonight, so we'll do a quick fix. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. 
At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report. Check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com, that's www.thecereport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. Let's see what we got going on real quick in the chat rooms. Yeah, everyone's hanging out tonight. Hey, Veronique, how you doing tonight? Good to see ya. This is why them toilet seats cost hundreds of dollars. Yeah, they got them golden toilet seats over there, don't you know? Because they need their booty to get young and firm while they duty, right? Okay, so that's what that's all about. Uh, They made the... uh, They RQ made the Russians go after biolabs. Yeah. They got the Q fever over there in in Ukraine and Russia, apparently. Uh, let's see here. I remember a pic of Romney and Rubio on a plane together with, I think it was Bush. Ah, Raven 2000, talking about that um, one event over uh, back in the day. Very cool. Russia did not know of Biolabs until QAnon brought it up, says Sean Joe. Well... Do you mean QAnon as in all of the anonymous Q supporters? Or do you mean Q as in Q? Because uh, there is a difference. And some of us Q people are not so anonymous, by the way. Uh, yes, frauds. Mm-hmm. Frauds. Uh, experimental animal. Yeah, no, they do that. They, there, there's some here in the States, Tam Growl. Uh, Biolab Safeties 3 and 4. I think the one over there... Um, on the northeastern coast. Uh, that one, I think, is an animal one, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, and of course, it's the one they're going to open in Kansas. Manhattan, Kansas. I think that one's also going to be a, um, a cross-species biolab as well. It's already been built. It was supposed to open this year. Can you imagine that, guys? A biosafety level four lab in the middle of... Tornado Alley. How smart is that, right? I mean, I'm glad it didn't come to Texas. It was supposed to come to San Antonio, but they said no. Okay, but it's in Kansas, okay? It's in the middle of Tornado Alley. It's in the middle, it's in the middle of the beef and the bacon belt. I'm sure that'll do good for our food, right? Yeah. Ain't gonna be no famine there. Oh, thank you. Uh, what was it? Thank you, Biblicist, for that uh, compliment. I appreciate that. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. Didn't, didn't they, didn't they initiate the lockdowns for COVID-19 on March 13th, 2020? You know, it's my dad's birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, dad. God rest. Okay. And, uh, let's see here. Hey, it's Gina from West Virginia. Good to see ya. Much love to you as well. Okay, let me uh, let me uh, get going here, guys, because uh, thank you, Relanon. It's Shapil, Shapil, China, Shapil, China, Ukraine. I heard through the grapevine has a biolab where coronavirus came from. Okay, so every time he was like the China virus and you even spell it C-H-Y-N-A because that's the way it sounds like he's saying it. China. <laughs> 
Damn, there's no such thing as coincidences, guys. Okay, so let's talk about this. We have Russia calling their UN, uh, their UN Council uh, meeting on this whole bioweapons, um, bioweapons convention um, uh, mess up here that they have. You know, like, so violation. That's the word I'm looking for. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Hey, Khaleesi2020, how you doing? Good indeed, and good for the soul as well. Uh, but so Russia calls for a UN Security Council meeting over the biological biological activities in Ukraine. Okay, I think they've had two days of this, and they're supposed to convene again on Friday. Now, interesting enough, they're like, what, five countries? No, 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 not five. I'm thinking of the five eyes. Obviously, the five eyes. The ones who are putting sanctions on Russia, the ones who are continuing to force these lockdowns, unless you're in the middle of a, you know, an election season. Um, the ones who are, in my purview, truly globalist, truly elitist, deep state types of organizations. Okay. Hey, Deplore Laura, what's going on? Awesome. Uh, good to see you as well. Avenging pineapple. Do you know what it means if you wear a pineapple on a cruise ship? Avenging pineapple? Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing, you might want to find out. Okay, cool. Anyhow, so um, we have that situation going on. We have, we have interesting enough, we have, the, uh, we have the, the countries that are truly New World Order. Oh, did I say New World Order? That's a throwback, ladies and gentlemen. That is a throwback. Um, I could have said Illuminati if you wanted to go further back, guys. But anyways, the elitist globalists, the transhumanists, whatever you want to call them, uh, they're the ones who are really pushing, pushing sanctions. But we also had over 100 nations that basically walked out on Russia during this entire event. Now, nations like China, Mexico, India, Brazil, they all want answers, right? They all want answers. Let's see what information I got for you guys on this. Russia ups their accusations and blames deadly outbreak of swine flu in Ukraine that killed 364 people on US funded biolabs. Yeah, see so they are uh they're 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 going at it guys. They're not going to let this drop. Of course, you will have the lamestream shame stream fake news legacy mockingbird propaganda media who are usually have pedophile tendencies, right? Will continue to say this is a lie, this is Russia propag- Russian propaganda and uh you know, they they are doing everything they can to spin this as Russia being the bad guy here. Uh, But let's see what Russia had to say most recently. This is from the Gateway Pundit. A lot of our uh, articles tonight will be coming from the Gateway Pundit and the Epoch Times, by the way. Extremely dangerous biological experiments in at least 30 biological laboratories in Ukraine. The Russian representative on the UN Security Council, Vasily Nebenzia, has charged that a U.S.-implemented program of biological research in Ukraine may have triggered uncontrolled dangerous infections in Ukraine, including rubella, diphtheria, tuberculosis, measles, polio, and swine flu. Now, 
if you guys wanted to go over to the cereport.com, we actually published an article that talked about a lot of these occurrences. Uh, it was a very long article that is very well mirrored across the web. In fact, a lot of you guys probably already read it, but uh, I think it's the first article on our blog currently. I think it's called Biolabs in Ukraine, What Will Russia Find? Okay, and it has all the documentation and spades that you need. All of the uh, governmental documentation, Pentagon dis, uh, um, declassified graphs, maps, all that good stuff. Talks about a lot of this stuff, including um, Ebola and other hemorrhagic types of diseases. Uh, so that's just a little uh, thing I thought I'd throw in there. It says here, by March 2016, a total of 364 people died of swine flu in Ukraine, Nebenzia claimed. While the United States itself shut down military purpose biological research on its territory due to high risks it posed to American population, the Kiev authorities actually agreed to turn their country into a biological testing site and have their citizens used as potential test subjects, Nebenzia charged. Materials confiscated by the Russian Defense Ministry prove that all serious high-risk research in Ukrainian biolabs was directly supervised by the United States experts who had diplomatic immunity, Nebenzia claimed. The U.S. government turned Ukraine into a site for dangerous biological tests on the doorstep of the European Union, Nebenzia had stated. A real biological threat to the population of European states that may be posed by uncontrolled spread of biological agents from Ukraine. As we know from our experience with COVID-19, this cannot be stopped. Should this be the case, it will encompass the entire Europe. During wartime, Russian claims must be viewed with the same degree of skepticism as those of all other warring parties. Nonetheless, due to the seriousness of the charges, and since its substance has been completely ignored by the mainstream media, Gateway Pundit documents the entire speech by Vasily Nebenzia here. And uh, we will not read the speech unless you really want me to. But tell you what, I will publish it on the thecreport.com. Okay, so if you'd like to read the length of the speech, and it looks like it's a good one, y'all. It looks like it's a good one. I will publish it on the thecreport.com. So uh, you guys can go peruse that at your leisure. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, what up next? Ah, who's that? Okay, so just to wrap up the biological labs thing, they are going to reconvene on Friday. Okay, you already have a hundred or so nations that are standing in solidarity with Ukraine, along with 3,000 volunteer American soldiers. What the hell's up with that? And then uh, you have, of course, some of the major Brazil, India, China, Mexico uh, are calling for they're calling for an explanation. So very good stuff, guys, is coming around the corner. Very, very good stuff. Uh, But now what we're going to do is we're going to shift gears, guys, away from biological labs in Russia. And we're going to talk about. Um, some of the uh, escalations of the war that are on the horizon due to things like propaganda, false flags, misinformation, disinformation, accurate information, uh, and the likes. Because like I said, in this age 
where truth or the most accurate thing to truth is so important, um, we're really coming into, I think, at least in my purview, we're really coming into um, a moment where truth seems to be prevailing. Truth is prevailing. Light is prevailing more so than the darkness and the shadows of lies have in the last centuries, right? But along with that, we are also getting bombarded with all of this other information. Uh, and I think it's only because we have a better ability to discern that the truth is winning out. Our hearts are hearing it. Our eyes are seeing it. Our ears are believing it. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about this propaganda, false flags, all this stuff that could escalate the war, okay? The first thing we're going to start off with is with this man, okay? Now, this man's name is Brent Renaud. Now, Brent Renaud is an American journalist who was shot dead in Ukraine, okay? So, I'm pretty sure, as you all could imagine, what the talking heads over there at the mainstream shamestream networks were saying. Russia killed Brett Renaud. Russia, those animals, they're heartless. They're inhumane. They killed journalists. They don't believe in freedom of speech. They don't have a First Amendment projection, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Now, here was my main thing when this was brought to my attention. I think it was uh, W.C. Cranop shot me this article one morning and I was like, crap. I was like, if America, if the deep state were looking for any excuse to get involved in this war, killing an American on Ukrainian soil at the hands of a Russian is the perfect excuse for them to get, it's another Gulf of Tonkin, right? But it's like, oh, well, it's, it's, it's after the press. So it's got an even better caveat to it because uh, not only did a Russian kill an American, but it's a press member, which just goes to show that everything that we've been telling you is true. And everything that Russia has been telling you is a lie. It's Russian propaganda. Now that's going to be your catch all right there, guys. When you hear someone say Russian propaganda, you know what side they're on, okay? So, let's see about Mr. Brett Renaud. Brett Renaud, okay. And uh, I had to leave this article out of immersive because there's so much information that doesn't pop up on it. So we will be looking at the sightly site of the Gateway Pundit while we review this. I prefer the immersive reader because uh, you don't get all of these, like, uh, tacky... Um, ads and stuff like that. But, uh, but for graphics sake and for the sake of the Twitter embeds, we'll go ahead and read it this way. It says, update, American reporter Brent Renaud was killed at Ukrainian checkpoint. Okay. So when he was shot dead, okay. When he was shot dead, all of the reporters were saying it was a Russian soldier who killed a journalist in Ukraine. Now, as it turns out, it was at a Ukrainian checkpoint, which means it was someone from Ukraine that shot him dead. And now all of a sudden, it's likely a case of friendly fire. Oops. Oops, you weren't going to be our next, uh, our next uh, sacrificial lamb, Brett Renaud. We weren't going to use you for a false flag, Brett Renaud. Whoops. Damn it. Damn those digital warriors. 
damn, how are they able to debunk this stuff and get this stuff out there so fast? Don't they know that we're uh, banning them and censoring them and algorithming them to death on the internet? And yet somehow this information still gets out? How much you want to bet they would have used his death as a false flag narrative for America to join in and get boots on the ground? Never mind the 3,000 Americans that want to go volunteer to help Ukraine. This is it's insane, guys. Okay, let's get to this article. Now, there's uh, some graphic photos of Brett Renaud shot dead. Okay, uh, he was a U.S. intelligence collector operating in Ukraine under the legend of a New York Times video journalist. So that was the other scandal going on here. Everyone thought that Brett Renaud was in Ukraine working for the New York Times. Here's a classic example of Project Mockingbird, right? Or is it Project Mockingbird, right? Um, you have intelligence officers working for the papers, the media, and you have the media working with the intelligence agencies. So that's why I say I think even some actors like the superstars, like Angelina Jolie and, and uh, Bradford Pitt, like they're probably CIA agents. Like they probably like do a whole bunch of undercover espionage stuff whenever they're out there in China or wherever, whatever country they go to to visit. I don't doubt it. Like they, they'll carry the paperwork. They'll, the, here's the case with the bomb. Uh, here, here are the pathogens that you need. We're delivering them to you on behalf of Hollywood. Uh, But this is... Now, I hope everyone can see this. And I'm not talking about the general audience of the C-Report. I'm talking about everyone else out there. That this is point blank telling you all that we have people. And it's not just like... It's not just in a spy movie. It's not just on Archer, okay? You have people who work tandem, hand in hand with, uh, with their expertise for these three-letter agencies. It's real. So this guy, this guy working for an intelligence, he, in, he was collecting intelligence, okay? Because the New York Times is like, he wasn't working for us. Don't put that on us. Nah, uh, uh, uh. But you see, there's his passport right here. And not his passport. Well, yeah, there's his passport. But uh, there's his uh, press badge. So that was his business on the ground in Ukraine, Okay. That was his business on the ground in Ukraine, working for the New York Times, of which, of whom, the New York Times immediately refuted, okay? Now, it says here, uh, the morning, this morning news broke that a New York Times journalist was killed in Ukraine. Brett Renaud was wearing a New York Times badge and lanyard at the time of his death. He had not worked for the Times since 2015. No one in Ukraine knows that though, right? Since this morning, the New York Times has denied that Brett Renaud was working for the New York Times at the time of his death. It now appears that Renaud was some sort of intel collector for the United States. Tam Growl says, CIA operative? Question mark. And uh, let's see here. Uh, So here's some of the embeds I was talking about from Twitter. It says, it appears he was killed behind the Russian front in Ukrainian-held territory. Okay. It happened behind the Russian front. The journalists stated they were going to interview people. So, and then they have maps here. So I, I mean, it's a little bit too small for me. I can try and expand it. Uh, oh, it expands. Hooray. Okay. So uh, the, the red arrow, I guess, is where it happened. 
So you have, I'm guessing this is the Russian front. And then you have a Ukrainian held area. And that's would have been the checkpoint where he was shot. Because if you look at the dueling narratives there, guys, there's what? Everyone in Ukraine is fighting Russia, right? That's one narrative. And then the other narrative is uh, Russia is bombing the heck out of Ukraine. And then the other narrative is uh, Russia is getting rid of Nazis and people who commit crimes against humanity. And the people of Ukraine, they're, they're about it for the most part. And so the Ukrainian troops are uh, providing, uh, what do they call them, humanitarian corridors. So, I mean, maybe this Ukrainian checkpoint was part of that. Oh, feet. Okay. Uh, Renaud was being shot at, turned around, and continued to be shot at from the direction of the checkpoint. So the Ukrainian people were shooting at him. I wonder why. I wonder why. This is the easiest to understand map of the area where the incident took place. These were Russian positions as of yesterday. Shooting did not occur by sniper. They took heavy fire, according to his colleague. Again, almost a certainty it was Ukraine side, which used dead body as a prop. See, and that's, again, what you're going to hear a lot through this. He said, she said. They're saying, oh. Russia's using uh, crisis actors and false flags, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Ukraine is using crisis actors and false flags. And uh, well, who do you believe? Well, I figure we'll just let the story unravel. And whoever side is closer to the truth, that's who I will believe. It happened behind the Russian front. The journalist stated they were going to interview people leaving. New York Times has now confirmed that it was a Ukrainian checkpoint. Okay, so it was confirmed. Oh, no, we're going to the post. Dang it. Uh, It says here, understand this is in the context of the testimony of his colleague. So he was with a photographer and the photographer said the Ukrainians shot at them and killed him. Uh, His colleague, who said they were being shot at, turned around and continued to be shot at from the direction of the checkpoint. So there is that, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see if it totally, oh, it didn't totally wipe me out. Okay, what's next? Uh So that's an interesting story right there, guys. Now, I, you know, if that thing had not been debunked so quick... If that thing had not been debunked so quick, if, if, it, if it hadn't happened on a weekend, and you know, it makes sense it would happen on a weekend because no one's paying attention. So there's no one to uh, dig into it, no one to refute it, no one to debunk it. So by Monday, it's blown out of proportion. And then all of a sudden on Monday, the United States is entering into war with Ukraine because they shot one of their reporters, a journalist, a good old American patriot journalist dead. But it got debunked so fast, they couldn't do it. And I wouldn't put it beyond them to have sacrificed this man for that cause, okay? And um, it's interesting that someone in that statement mentioned that Ukraine was using it to use his dead body as a prop. Well, we have our next sacrificial lamb right here, ladies and gentlemen. We have our next sacrificial lamb right here. Uh, tell me if you guys have heard this story, huh? The pregnant lady being willed out on the watermelon blanket. 
Now, this image apparently has shooketh the world since it transpired. Now, apparently what happened here is on the 10th, we had, see, on the 10th, we had Russian forces bomb a hospital, basically. It has since then been refined down to a maternity ward filled with children and pregnant women and nurses and doctors and, and uh, happy fathers. You know, that's what the narrative has become. Okay. That's what we're hearing now. It was in Maripol, Ukraine. Now, <clears throat> this image came out um, on the same day, right? But the woman in particular who's being featured on the watermelon gurney, she ends up dying. I think as of yesterday, she died. So like I said, here goes our next sacrificial lamb. Now, let me get you some insight information, not insight, insightful information on this event. Now, here's what we have going on. We have a hospital that, according to Russia, has been used as a base for the far-right neo-Nazis, the Azov battalion here, the ultra-radicals, the nationalists, ultra-nationalists of Ukraine. Okay, so apparently, according to Russia, they went in and destroyed this hospital because it was being used as one of their headquarters. It was apparently one of their biggest bases, all right? Like, they pretty much took them out in that region after they took out this hospital. Of course, the mainstream media and everyone who just hates to see their favorite Nazis perish start spinning this yarn that Russia has uh, mercilessly and inhumanely bombed a maternity ward filled with children and expecting mothers and nurses. Because so you could just imagine what kind of heartstrings. I mean, bust out the incubators, throw the babies on the floor then, you know? We play them heartstrings. No, they couldn't do that. So what they did is they brought out some woman who was pregnant, who happens to be an, uh, a fairly wealthy uh, internet influencer in Ukraine. And they put her on a gurney. And, uh, well, we'll get to the rest of that story in a minute. But let's see what uh, the Russian foreign minister Lavrov had to say. Now, according to the headline, Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov claims Maripol Maternity Hospital was base of Azov ultra-radicals. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, Russian Foreign Minister um, Sergei Lavrov on Thursday denied Ukrainian claims that Russian troops had shelled an operating maternity hospital in Maripol. Speaking at a press conference on Thursday, the top Russian diplomat alleged that the Maripol Hospital building in Ukraine had been used as a base by the far-right Azov Battalion of the Ukrainian National Guard. He claimed that the Ukrainian hospital in question had been for days... Oh, oh yeah, had been for days under the control of a Ukrainian paramilitary group and Moscow presented evidence of this to the United Security Council several days ago. So the UN apparently knows this. Do the, does the UN believe them? Doubtful. But they already have this information. Russia decides to bomb it. And then you have everyone in the Western-backed, globalist, elitist, shamestream, lamestream, 
fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird, pedophile media, all of them are saying, I mean, I could not find a single headline just about that said anything counter to that point. Okay, it took a little bit of digging. I mean, yeah, if I'd gone to the Gateway Pundit first, I probably could have found it. But no, you know, I, I like to do things the hard way sometimes. So... You couldn't find anything about it. You could not find... All you heard was uh, the picture that shook the world. Uh, the, the picture that's making people's hearts bleed. Uh, woman and baby die. You know, now... I'm willing to wager that if this woman... A fairly wealthy internet influencer in Ukraine... Had been hired as a crisis actress... And the story did not sell just with that one picture of her on that watermelon gurney. They killed her. Sacrificial lamb, ladies and gentlemen. I don't doubt it. The Azov Battalion and other radicals kicked out all the expectant mothers, the nurses, and other staff members. It was the base of the Azov Ultra Radicals, Lavrov said, speaking after meeting his Ukrainian counterpart, Dmitryo Kuleba, in Turkey's Antalya. Lavrov added that the reports coming from the former Soviet country that contradicts this were obviously meant to manipulate global public opinion about what is happening in the country. He also chastised Western media outlets for taking part in the propaganda effort. He says, I have seen reports that were really emotional. Unfortunately, the other side of the situation, which would allow one to form an objective opinion, was not given any prominence, Lavrov said. Oh, maybe I should not be too emotional right now. <laughs> maybe I should just tell the facts. <laughs> it says here, three killed in Maripol hospital attack claims Ukraine. The top Russian diplomat was commenting on claims raised by Ukraine that Russia had deliberately attacked a military facility in the city of Maripol on Wednesday. Ukrainian officials have claimed that three people, including a child, have been killed and at least 17 people were injured following the Russian airstrike on a maternity hospital in Maripol. According to BBC, the Maripol City Council said that the strike had caused colossal damage and published footage showing burnt, uh, burned out buildings, destroyed cars, and a huge carter outside the hospital. Moreover, following the bombings, the head of the UN Children's Fund, Catherine Russell had expressed her horror over the reported destruction of the hospital in Maripol, which has been under heavy bombardment for days. In a statement, the UNICEF chief said that she was horrified by the reported attack, which left young children and women in labor buried beneath the rubble of destroyed buildings. But I don't know, guys. For some reason, I don't think that's true. I actually believe this man right here. That's just me. It does not have to be you. Let's talk about the crisis actor. I mean, let's talk about the dead mother. Okay. Let's talk about the dead mother. This is uh, from, uh, where are you coming from? Sarium, uh, Sarism, pardon me. Sarism.com had this write-up on the Ukrainian uh, influencer. Okay. So it says, uh, infamous maternity ward attack in Maripol, Ukraine possibly staged. So there's the woman. I guess this is before they put her on the watermelon gurney. I mean, I don't know when this picture would be taken, but I'm assuming it would be after they bombed her to death. Go figure, right? 
Okay. Uh, it says here, Sarism did not report on this incident immediately like the rest of the media as we were skeptical. That patience has borne fruit. Ah, yeah. Patience brings good things sometimes. It says the world was on fire over the last few days regarding an alleged attack on a maternity ward at a hospital in Marpol, Ukraine. The city is located in the middle of the land bridge from Russia to the Crimean Peninsula and a primary target for capture by the Russian armed forces in Ukrainian conflict. Here's what we know at Tsarism so far on the attack itself. The attack on the structure was real and most likely a medical facility. However, it is highly likely that no civilians were at the facility. Russia insists the facility was under the control of the Azov Battalion, a nationalist Ukrainian brigade with sympathy to the Nazi ideology. The photos from the attack on civilians were likely staged. See the evidence below. So here's the pregnant mama. Now, I believe she is actually pregnant, guys. For those of you on the podcast, we're looking at a bloodied Ukrainian mother expecting child in a uh, felt polka dot uh, panda bear pajama outfit. She's uh, bringing down the... No, just kidding. I'm not gonna, yeah, we're not going to go there. Okay, so here's Gixie Beauty. This is her. So apparently, yes, she really was pregnant. Okay, I can't fit her on the entire screen. I can either get her or her baby. Okay, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, and then uh, I can't read whatever language that is. So, and then here's uh, more photos of her. So she was successful, okay? She was successful. She was known. She was an influencer. She was an actress. Okay. Uh, it says right here, this is Russian Embassy United Kingdom. Uh, it says, no, it's the Indeed Pregnant Beauty blogger Mariana Podgurtskaya. She actually played roles of both pregnant women on the photos. And first photo were actually taken by famous propagandist photographer Evigny Moletletka, Moletletka, rather than rescuers and witnesses as one would expect. So apparently, you know, if I'm going to tell a lie, right? And I, I really, really try not to lie at all. Like, if I'm going to lie and I have to lie and I don't think one should have to, it's going to be a lie of omission, okay? It's not going to be a lie. But if I'm going to lie, I am not going to be leaving open-ended questions. I'm not going to be leaving them strings to tie up like uh, propagandist photographer Evigny Mololetka, you know, or, or anything like that. No, I would be as vague as possible. <laughs> so this way, hopefully the story sticks. <clears throat> but the Russian uh, embassy here dropping all of those factoids means someone's going to go look it up. Someone's going to go look for Evigneki Moletka and they're going to be like, did you take those pictures? You know, and then there the ball of yarn unwinds or unfurls even more so, you know. Uh, so here again, and this is the same woman that was on the, uh, this is the same woman that was on the watermelon gurney guys. Okay. <laughs> Dead. All right. Anyhow. Well, actually, she wasn't dead then. She wasn't dead then, to be honest with you guys. She delivered, and then she died. She and the baby died. They're like, what are we going to do with an infant? We might as well drink its blood, right? Oh, man, was that cynical? 
No, I think it was very, very pointed, right? Okay, um, here is what Russia had to say about this situation. Just in case you guys were wondering. Um, let me bring this up here for you all. Uh, Russian military defense says key neo-Nazi forces and Maripol residential areas are destroyed. Okay. Uh, it says the residents of Maripol have been unable to leave the city despite humanitarian corridors being announced several times because of attacks carried out by radical Ukrainian nationalists. The militia of the Donetsk People's Republic with the support of Russian armed forces have eliminated practically all combat facilities occupied by neo-Nazi rebels in the residential areas of the city of Maripol, the Russian Defense Ministry said. According to the ministry, the successful... I don't know if you guys can read that. Let me get bigger. According to the ministry, the successful operation aimed to stop the city's blockade has resulted in the opening of humanitarian corridors after 1,500 local time, allowing civilians to evacuate. 200 buses were deployed to Maripol to pick up the evacuees, and 50 of the buses have already arrived in the city. Humanitarian trucks carrying 450 tons of medicines and food, including baby formula, were dispatched to Maripol, and the first vehicles have already arrived. Now, there's another narrative that we are not hearing, and that's that uh, Russia's actually sending humanitarian aid into Ukraine. Okay. Would you really do that? Unless they're like, well, you know, we're going to be your new, uh, we're going to be your new kings and queens here. So we want to make sure you're happy with us. So uh, we're going to bomb everything of Ukraine into non-existence, but we're going to bring you food. So this way, maybe later on, you won't try and uh, lynch us or something like that. Right? No regicide here, right? No regicide for Russians uh, lording it over Ukraine. Okay, let's, uh, let's finish up this article real quick. Uh, it just says here, other than that, oh yeah, it just says, uh, earlier this month, the head of the Russian National Defense uh, Control Center, Mikhail Misintsev, said that Maripol and several other Ukrainian cities have been facing a humanitarian crisis of catastrophic proportions. He stressed that in Maripol, neo-Nazis were firing at people trying to flee the city throughout, through humanitarian corridors. Okay, whose side are we going to believe? I don't know. In the end, we'll figure out who's more accurate. I mean, I already know where I'm leaning, guys. But neo-Nazis firing at people trying to flee the city through humanitarian corridors. According to him, hundreds of thousands of people, including foreign nationals, are being held hostage. And that just seems to make sense to me, okay? We, I mean, how many of you guys got to see the Ukraine on fire? I mean, I'm sure all of us pretty much have seen it, right? And it showed you how they... These are things that we already knew that they do, but we've never actually gotten to see them do it in the act. Like, we've never been able to see them. How do they exactly carry out these colored revolutions? We know that there's elements of things here and there and people and money and stuff like that and, you know, uh, propaganda. But how does it really come together? And how does it how does it mesh into a color revolution? And that's one thing I really enjoyed about Ukraine on Fire is that you were really able to see it. And then based on their modus operandi and based on their operating procedures, this makes sense that neo-Nazis would do this to people. And do I think that Russia's making this up? I mean, Putin has stated that they could have destroyed Ukraine in 10 days. Okay, we're on like, what, day 19? And that's another thing about it too. That they're, they're like, they're forming, they're making formations around cities and they're stopping, okay? 
the Russian military, the Russian military federation forces, they're not going into the cities. And then when that happens, you have the news, the shamestream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media saying, oh, well, you know, it's not going so well for the Russians. They're stalled outside of Kiev. It's a little bit harder for the Russians than they thought it was going to be, but that's their strategy. And I get it in the fog of war. You know, you can't, you have to, you have to put out propaganda that makes, if your citizens believe that you're fighting a righteous fight, you have to put out propaganda that's going to make them think that they're doing good, right? To keep that morale high, to keep the troops pumped up and energized. I get it. But it sucks when you know that your team is on the wrong side, right? Doesn't that suck? Knowing that our team is on the wrong side and we're, our team is lying. Our t- and they're not really our team, but they are representing America to the rest of the world, to those 3,000 soldiers that want to volunteer to go fight for Ukraine who apparently never heard this broadcast. Anyways, okay, <laughs> let's move on, guys. Vanguard 360, thank you so much for gifting the shades. A lot of relevant info. Keep going. And uh, Biblicist, I'll thank you for the ship. Great show, buddy. I appreciate that, y'all. Thank you for your generosity. Most appreciated. Awesome. Hey, Aurelius Locke, what's up? I see you there. And uh, Timba Jet's hanging out too. Awesomeness. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you guys for being in the audience. Yeah, we ain't done yet. We're going to keep on going. Let's keep going, guys. So uh, I think we're done with the maternity ward. Just she did. The woman did pass, guys. They were like, I'm sorry, this uh, PSYOP didn't work. So uh, we're going to have to kill you now so we can put it in the papers that you're dead. Either that or they went to go hide her in the mountain somewhere to be like, I don't know, a baby uh, factory. Who is this guy? Why is he on my screen? This is, uh, I think we're going to Chernobyl now. Oh, no. This is General Jens Stoltenberg. And he is out of place. Okay. Uh, Excuse me, Secretary General of the United Nations. Bam. Where are we at now? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. We are in the right place. I apologize. Okay. Okay. We're not, we're not, okay. We're still talking about false flags and propaganda. Okay. Now I remember why Secretary General of the United Nations... Jens Stoltenberg is on the screen. Okay, so now we have a whole bunch of back and forth, right? Going on between Russia and Ukraine about, you know, who's giving out the right information, who's giving out, what is going on here? Okay, so General uh, Jens Stoltenberg has made some statements. And uh, this has to do with the uh, bio-warfare. Are we on the right story? I think I might have misplaced this graphic. Okay, forget about General Jen Stoltenbergers for five minutes, okay? <laughs> hey, CDP4JC, what's up, buddy? Um, okay, so let's talk about this story here. Ukraine claims Russian jets fired at Belarus in false flag attack, okay? So what's really going on here? Now we have... Allegedly, Russia firing at Belarus so that this way Belarus can enter into the war. Now, NATO and the deep states and all of that, the globalists, they can't technically, on paper, just jump into this war, right? They can't. They cannot do it. 
Oh, they would lose so much popularity percentage points if they did. Let me tell you what. So they have to enable another way for a bigger event to happen. Okay, I think we all understand that, right? Um, so I was really surprised to read this article here, guys. Oh, the shade of it all. Okay, so let's see what it says. Ukrainian officials on Friday said that Belarus could be planning to invade its territory, accusing Russia of attempting to drag its ally into the conflict. This is Ukraine saying it. Ukraine's Air Force Command on March 11th alleged that border officials obtained information detailing how Russian aircraft took off from a Belarus airfield, crossed into Ukraine, and fired at the Belarusian village of Kopani. The Ukrainian State Border Service received information that Russian aircraft took off from Dubrovitsia airfield in Belarus, entered the territory of Ukraine, turned over our populated area of Hordichi and Tumen, and then launched an airstrike on the populated area of Kopani, Belarus, said the Air Force Command on social media. It included a video that purported to show part of the incident. Now, I wonder if we were to see that video, if it weren't like footage from like a 1980s movie. Did you guys see that one, that one meme? It was amazing, guys. On French TV, on French TV, they showed their viewers a photograph of thousands of Ukrainians running up a road with stalled cars to try and escape the wrath of Russia and Putin. And unmodified, unfiltered, unchanged at all, it was a screenshot from Independence Day. It was either Independence Day or it was uh, the day after tomorrow. Like no joke, no joke. It was it was it was on it was on the French TV screen with the people running like when the tidal waves coming. Right. Okay. Remember. Okay. And they're all running. And, you know, and there's it's kind of like hillside, but all the cars are stalled and everyone's running. Ah! Like they were like thousands of Ukrainians running from Ukraine because of Russia, Putin and bombing. And it was footage from the day after tomorrow. Like that's how bad this is, guys. <laughs> Maybe that's the reason why I've already chosen sides, right? Because it doesn't seem like Russia is needing to lie in order to sell their story. Could it be because they're just telling the truth? Sean Joe says it was War of the World. <laughs> hey, thanks for the cookie, Sean Joe. <laughs> Anyhow, I was blown away when I saw that. I was blown away. So, I don't know. It makes sense to me that uh, this would be either a total lie, a false flag on Ukraine's side, or something like that. Um, the article goes on to say, the Ukrainian State Border Service received information that Russian aircraft... Oh, we already read that. My bad. It says the claim could not be immediately verified by the Epoch Times. Russia's Ministry of Defense has not publicly responded to the allegations. The command said it is watching the occupation of the settlement, adding this is a provocation. Now, this is the Ukrainian command. OK, it says this is a provocation. The goal is to involve the armed forces of the Republic of Belarus in the war with Ukraine. Now, 
Belarusian Defense Ministry spokeswoman Ina Harbachova said the Ukrainian Air Force Command made a false statement. The Defense Ministry unequivocally states that the information about a missile strike at a Belarusian village is nonsense, Harbachova said. Several Belarusian media outlets reported that they found no confirmation of an airstrike in Belarus. Russia stationed troops and armored vehicles in Belarus in the weeks leading up to the invasion, using the Eastern European nation as a launching point. Belarus, however, has not deployed its own forces in active battle. The alleged attacks took place on Friday, the same day that the Belarusian president Alexander Lukashenko met with Russian President Vladimir Putin in Moscow. We also understand that the Belarusian government has been do doing everything possible to avoid joining this war, Ukrainian Deputy, uh, Deputy Interior Minister uh, Yevgeny Yenin said on national televised television on Friday. It comes as Russia's main attack force has been reportedly stalled on roads north of Kiev. Yeah, they've been stalled. Having failed in what Western analysts say was an initial plan for a lightning assault. Okay, that's what West, the West wants us to think that uh, Russia was going to go in there with the Blitzkrieg. And now they can say whatever they're saying in this paragraph. So that this way they can make Putin look weak and they can make it look like Putin is failing. Okay. But images released by private United States satellite firm Maxar showed armored units maneuvering in and through towns close to an airport on Kiev's northwest outskirts, the site of fighting since Russia landed paratroopers there in the first hours of the war. Other elements had repositioned near the settlement of Lubankia, just to the north, with artillery howitzers in firing positions, Maxar said. Britain's defense ministry uh, said Russia appeared to be gearing up for new offensive activity in the coming days that would probably include operations against Kiev. And Reuters contributed to that report from the Epoch Times. Now, what I want to know is, why is it that the Pentagon spokesmen did not get a hold of Maxar to use their satellites to give us a clear answer as to whether or not they had amphibious vehicles rolling up on the banks of Ukraine. Because he seemed pretty unconfident during that press conference, guys. Pretty unconfident. Or inconfident. No, unconfident. Yeah, I think I said that right. Okay, so there's that, guys. Now, uh, let's see here. What else do we got going on? Well, let's, let's go back to this fellow right here before we go on to the next story. He's back, guys. He's back. And this guy again, this is United Nations Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. Now, this is going to take us back to the bioweapons and the bio-warfare guys. And Newland saying, ah, oh, well, you know, we need to make sure that the uh, Russians don't get their hands on the material. Now, this man here, and I take it back, I apologize. He is a secretary general, but not for the United Nations, for NATO. Okay, he's a secretary general for NATO. Even worse, right? Okay, actually, I guess the United Nations is a whole lot worse than NATO. But anyways, okay. So now you have this man claiming 
And we've already heard this from the start. Like we heard this before Russia even invaded, that Russia was going to use bioweapons against the people of Ukraine. So do you see why I'm saying the deep state, Victoria Newland, the globalists, they're not going to destroy their own biological weapons material? Because everything that they make claims about, as I'm sure we recognize, everything they make claims about are probably things that they are going to do themselves, right? <laughs> oh, you taking off, uh, Biblicist? Thanks for hanging out tonight. Good to see you. And you have a pleasant evening. Hey, Java, what's up? Hey, Second Gen Oki, how are you doing tonight? Do they not realize there is a thing called radar and satellites to verify those? I know, right? <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, really? He was like, well, we couldn't, we didn't really get photos of them. But they say there are amphibious ships making ground in uh, Crimea and in, uh, in Odessa. And I was like, okay, uh, you're sweating there a little bit, sir. You are sweating there a little bit. All right, guys. So, uh. Yes, back to back to this uh, back to this globalist clown here. Now, uh, Secretary um, General uh, Jen Stoltenberger he warned yesterday that Russia might use chemical or biological weapons in their fight with Ukraine, um, which he said would amount to war crimes because they're already calling for war crimes on them. They're going to try and turn that narrative around, right? Victoria Newland was like, well, we need to get with the Ukrainians to, to help them secure this material. Other outlets are saying they're destroying it or they want them to destroy it. They're not going to destroy it. If they're going to launch a biological weapons attack, it's going to be NATO. It's going to be Ukraine. It's going to be the neo-Nazis and they're going to blame it on Russia. That's what's up. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Uh, this is what Stoltenberger had to say. He said, in recent days, we have heard absurd claims about chemical and biological weapons laboratories. Um, and uh, he's, he warned that as Russian officials came, uh, claimed on March 7th that the United States military had been involved in developing chemical or biological weapons in laboratories across Ukraine, a project that was backed up by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, an agency, the U.S. Department of Defense. So he said it the same day, okay? Now, um, he went on to say, now that these false claims have been made, in other words, now that Russia has falsely claimed that the United States has been making chemical and biological weapons in Ukraine, he says, we must remain vigilant because it is possible that Russia itself could plan chemical weapons operations under this fabrication of lies. Oh, how convenient, right? That would be a war crime. It's crazy, guys. It's crazy. Anyways, let me get him off the screen. All right, let's go on to this. Russia claims it killed up to 180 foreign mercenaries in Yavoriv strike. <clears throat> Our pure propaganda claims Ukraine. Okay, so basically what happened here is Russia bombed a military base, the Yavoriv military base, okay? And they claim, of course, according to the headline, they killed 180 foreign mercenaries. Now, we've heard the back and forth on the mercenaries, right? 
Um, first, they said, oh, Putin's going to be bringing in people from Syria. While Zelensky had already opened up the doorway, he, he even released it to the... He was like, please, nation, send your fighters who want to volunteer, and we will make them an official part of the Ukraine military temporarily. Okay. But, I mean, they already had mercenaries over there in the Donbass region. We know. Okay. Neo-Nazis, you know, uh, war tourists, uh, scum of the earth, right? Already going over there to kill, you know, for blood and money. Pleasure. Okay. Um, well, they're going to say the same thing about Russia again, but it, there's a little twist to it. But let's see what this has to say about this, because uh, there's a lot going on, guys. More of the propaganda and lies. Let's, let's see ourselves through this weave of fabrications, ladies and gentlemen. I think I got time. It says Ukrainian officials have called Russia's claims... It has killed up to 180 foreign mercenaries during a strike on Yaroviv military base, pure Russian propaganda. The country's defense ministry spokesperson, Markyan Lebinsky, told CNN that the claims are simply not true and that no foreigners have yet been confirmed among the dead at the training area, which is around 12 miles away from the Polish border and roughly 25 miles away from Lviv, located in western Ukraine. This is not the truth. Pure Russian propaganda. Remember I told you that catchphrase, it's a catch-all. <clears throat> Lubkivsky's Lubki, comments come after Russia's defense ministry on March 13th said that up to 180 foreign mercenaries and a large consignment of foreign weapons were destroyed in the attack at the Yavoriv International Center for Peacekeeping and Security. Russian Ministry of Defense spokesperson Major General Igor Konoshenkov said in a briefing that high-precision, long-range weapons were used to strike the Ukrainian Armed Forces Training Center at Yavoriv, as well as a separate facility in the village of Starichi. At these facilities, the Kiev regime deployed a point for the training and combat coordination of foreign mercenaries before being sent to the areas of hostilities against Russian military personnel, as well as a storage base for weapons and military equipment coming from foreign countries, Kanoshnikov said, according to the Moscow-based RIA news agency. As a result of the strike, up to 180 foreign mercenaries and a large consignment of foreign weapons were destroyed. The destruction of foreign mercenaries who arrived on the territory of Ukraine will continue. The defense ministry added that Moscow would continue its attacks against foreign mercenaries. The Lviv Regional Administration said in a statement on Sunday that at least 35 people were killed in the attack after around 30 missiles were fired from warplanes over the Black and Azov Seas and hit the military base. Another 134 people were hospitalized in the incident. Lviv Governor Maxim Kotsky said in a Facebook statement, Ukraine said foreign military instructors have previously worked at the Yavoriv military base. However, a NATO official told Reuters that there was no personnel from their alliance there. Kanoshnokhev's comments come after Moscow warned on Saturday that it may target NATO country supplies to Ukraine if they continue to supply weapons to the country. We warned the United States that the orchestrated pumping of weapons from a number of countries is not just a dangerous move. It is a move that turns these convoys into legitimate targets. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Rabokyov told Russian state-run media on Saturday. Uh, 
He added that Moscow had warned about the consequences of the thoughtless transfer to Ukraine of weapons like man-portable air defense systems, anti-tank missile systems, and so on. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zolinsky, has repeatedly called on Western nations to deliver more weapons to his country, specifically for Russian-made planes, so that it can defend itself amid the Russian attack. Zelensky has also repeatedly called on the West to implement a no-fly zone over Ukraine. However, Russian President Vladimir Putin has warned that he would view any country that declares a no-fly zone over Ukraine as a participant in the armed conflict. Meanwhile, President-select Joe Biden scratches his butt and winds his watch. Uh, So Aurelius says this story is confirmed by its first-hand account. So that there were mercenaries. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. Speaking of mercenaries, here is uh, 1,600 volunteers. So now here's on the Russia side, okay? So you already had uh, Ukraine making claims of, you know, Russia bringing in Syrians, basically. People from the Middle East. Well, here's a little bit of confirmation, Okay. And then there's an an interesting angle that goes with this as well. But uh, headline reads, around 16,000 volunteer foreign fighters to help Russia in war against Ukraine. So does this mean that Russia's losing? Is that why they're bringing in 16,000 additional troops? Does this mean that they're killing all the Russians? Does this mean that the Russians are defecting against their own government? I don't know. Let's find out. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Friday gave the green light for volunteers from abroad to head to combat zones in eastern Ukraine to bolster Russian forces in the war. Putin made the remarks at a Security Council meeting, according to Russian state news agency TASS, which described the move as as the provision of military assistance to Donbass on a no-cost basis, apparently in a bid to distinguish between volunteer fighters and paid mercenaries. Ukraine and Russia have traded accusations of sending mercenaries into conflict. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu was cited by TASS as saying that there have been over 16,000 requests from so-called volunteers, mostly in the Middle East, who are ready to come to the pro-Russian separatist-controlled regions of Luhansk and Donetsk and take part in what they believe is a liberation movement. The 16,000 figure mirrors the number cited by Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky when he announced several days ago that foreign volunteers would be coming to Ukraine to help resist Russian forces. Ukraine is already greeting foreign volunteers. The first 16,000 are already on their way to protect freedom and life for us and for all, Zelensky said in a video posted on Facebook. Ah, see, so Zelensky's bringing in 16,000, so Vladimir's bringing in 16,000. Putin. Ukrainian law allows foreigners to join the Ukrainian military on a voluntary basis, with incentives including being eligible for Ukrainian citizenship. Around 100 U.S. citizens have been cleared to join Ukrainian forces fighting against Russia. That's not quite the 3,000 number I've been saying, huh? Don't worry, it's coming. Putin, in his remarks to the Security Council, accused the West of openly sending mercenaries to fight on the side of the government in Kiev. Come on, Epoch Times. Get that spelling right, okay? Uh, In a previous article, they spelt it C-K-Y-I. Come on, Epoch Times. 
as the mercenaries from all over the world begin uh, being sent to Ukraine. <clears throat> as for the mercenaries from all over the world being sent to Ukraine, we see that they do not conceal it. The Western sponsors of Ukraine, the globalists, the Ukrainian regime do not hide it. They do it openly, neglecting all norms of international law, Putin said. Ukraine's Ministry of Defense, for its part, has accused Russia of enlisting mercenaries affiliated with the Wagner Group. The Wagner Group, an off-the-books private military outfit reportedly run by Putin associate Yegeny uh, Prigozhin to fight in Ukraine. Uh, Prigozhin has always denied any links to Wagner. That followed a report from British newspaper The Times claiming that over 400 Wagner-linked mercenaries had been sent to Kiev see, with orders from the Kremlin to assassinate Zelensky. There have been reports of a surge in demand for private military contractors in the context of the war in Ukraine. Robert Young Pelton, a Canadian-American author and expert on private military companies, told the BBC that there was a frenzy in the market for private military contractors to take on missions in Ukraine, including for help with logistics to extractions. Toss also cited Putin as saying Russia should meet its volunteers halfway and help cover the costs of transporting them to combat zones. In my opinion, y'all, private military contractors should be made illegal. Okay. Not your little security firms. I get it. We need security guards, security firms, security detail. But military contractors... That should not even exist, y'all. That should not even exist. Not even for consultation, okay? If you want to consult with the military, well, you're going to have to get back on their payroll. Military contracting should not be a lucrative or an entrepreneurial venture, ladies and gentlemen. It should not exist, okay? I don't care what goods... I don't think any goods can come out of a private military firm, okay? They're paid they're hired to kill okay to accomplish a mission whatever no look at how they're using them hmm well we have this group here guys out of america they're called the forward observations group otherwise known as fog and they are such a uh they are such a um firm they are a private united states military contracting firm Forward Observations Group, based out of Las Vegas, and they join in the fight in Ukraine against Russia. So we already have Americans going over there, guys. American Group out of Vegas is one, uh, one U.S. firm providing consulting and mercenary services to Ukraine. What the hell? Okay, now, do they have a stake in this? Do they have some kind of moral duty to this, or are they just turn in a buck? See what I'm saying? Americans reportedly are signing up to help Ukraine fight Russia. One group out of Las Vegas is participating in this conflict. Uh, the Gateway Pundit reported a week ago that over 3,000 Americans had applied to join the Ukraine military. What the hell, America? What the hell? We have located one such group of Americans who are assisting Ukraine with consulting and mercenary services. The Las Vegas-based forward well, they say Forward Operations Group, but it's Forward Observations Group. Maybe they misspelled it because they, pe they didn't want people to go find them. They want to not, like, 
help them with their entrepreneurial endeavors. Anyways, the Las Vegas-based Ford Operations Group provides security consulting, tactical training, and mercenary services in Ukraine. Um, Let's see here. The group has men in Ukraine as of a week ago. The group has a logo that is unique. It looks like pirate flags from centuries ago. And uh, I guess there's some of their posting there in Donetsk, Ukraine, as you can see here. Oh, Lord, I forgot it did that when I did that. My bad. Let me shrink that down a little bit. Anyways, right here, it says they're in Donetsk already. So these guys joined the neo-Nazis to go commit genocide against the People's Republic of Donetsk. Isn't that just sickening, you guys? That is just disgusting. Okay. Anyways, so there's that report, guys. United States Group Forward Observations Group. Uh, But uh, that's not the only group of people that's helping Ukraine. Check this out. Are Israeli commandos fighting against Russia in Ukraine? Are y'all wondering why maybe Russia got hit with the biggest cyber attack in their history ever today? Because Russia, because because they will be saving Israel for last, maybe. But Israel's already over there fighting. Let's read the article. Okay, it says... uh, Uh, This is from the Veterans Times. Veterans Times, only a few thousand Jews live in Ukraine. They give the number 50,000 in a nation of millions, but the real number is a tenth, uh, a tenth that with exceptions, that being military advisors sent from Israel for special operations against Crimea and Donbass. So they have been Israel. Oh, goodness. Boy. Oh, boy. Oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, we've hit one of those ironies of war where Jewish soldiers have gone into Donbass to fight alongside neo-Nazi far-right extremists in committing genocide against the People's Republic of either Luhansk or Donetsk. Man, that fog of war. That's ironic. That is morbidly ironic. And then that they're helping them commit genocide also is, uh, I don't know, guys. You tell me what you think about that. Uh, It says here, uh, MH17 was one of these special operations. We show that an Israeli F-15 with advanced radars acted as an AWAC guiding Ukrainian SU-25s to the kill. The Israeli plane showed up on radar above Azerbaijan, then over Georgia and onto Ukraine, now for today. Israeli soldiers are fighting on the side of the armed forces of Ukraine. The Israeli news publication Yanet reports that the former Israeli military from the elite units of the IDF is fighting on the side of Ukrainian troops and radicals, including groups recognized as terrorists in Russia. As it became known, we are talking about a group of volunteers who decided to join the Ukrainian troops. And uh, there it says, ultra-Orthodox Jews enlist in Ukrainian army to fight Russian invasion. According to the Israeli publication Yanet, or Ynet, I guess I say Yanet because I don't know. uh, We are even talking about former soldiers 
of the Israeli special unit Golani. While, given the apparent absence of any criticism from Israel, this clearly should raise a lot of questions about interference in the Russian special operation. Some, however, have decided that it is not enough to observe the development of the situation from afar. Uh, meet 40-year-old Grigory Grisha Fibrov, Fibobrov, a graduate of an elite IDF combat unit who now serves as a platoon commander in the Ukrainian army. Grigory Fibobrov, who served in the prestigious Golani Infantry Brigade, enlisted in one of the combat units of the Ukrainian army seven years ago. She is currently deployed on the front line, where troops are preparing for a possible breakthrough. Fibobrov uh, serves in the Idar Battalion. You guys see the uh, irony here, right? The Idar Battalion is a uh, neo-Nazi group, right? Okay, just they were one of the deadliest, just so you know. Okay, uh, it says in parentheses, the Idar Battalion is an organization whose activities are banned in the Russian Federation. An assault battalion of the ground forces of Ukraine reports the publication Ynet or Yanet noting that Fibabrov currently has Israeli citizenship. Among other things, it is also reported that the ranks of the armed forces of Ukraine, ultra-Orthodox Jews join, which raises a lot of questions why these actions are not condemned in Israel. But they are going to save Israel for last. And all of us who know won't have to say a thing. We'll just sit back and say, that's right. I didn't tell you so, because if I told you so, you'd say that I was anti-Semitic. But that's absolutely right. And I think you guys know what I'm talking about. All right, guys, moving right along. I told you there was going to be a lot of Russian news tonight. We're almost done with the Russian news. Okay. All right. So now we're going to take a moment or two. To ponder alongside President Vladimir Putin about the status of this military operation in Ukraine. Is it going good? Is it going bad? Is it going the way it should be going? Are things going off without a hitch? Or is it an abject failure? Yes, Shanjo, you got it right, Kazarians. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. We've got some perspectives on the uh, status of this operation. Now, this one's pretty interesting. Uh, understanding the Russian military plan for Ukraine. So this is a breakdown for those of you who are new to this uh, story, this narrative, this current event, or for those of you who are new to the Sea Report and our style of sharing information. Uh, but it's a pretty good breakdown. Um, about what is going on over there. Okay, so, you know, you don't have to dig back through hundreds of episodes just to figure it out. It says, there is an enormous propaganda campaign underway in the West to convince the American people that they should care more about Ukraine's border with Russia than our own border with Mexico. Uh, it says, give me the list of our politicians, Democrats and Republicans who are demanding action to secure our southern border. The voices are small and not resonating. Then draw up a list of the politicians insisting that we take actions in Ukraine that will risk a nuclear war with Russia. That list is long and their voices are loud. If you dare suggest this is madness, you are accused of being a tool of Putin. That is despicable nonsense. Nonsense. 
If you are looking for some honest military analysis on what is really taking place in Ukraine, I recommend the following blogs, The Saker and Andrei Myartnev. Now it says, uh, The Saker, pardon me, has an excellent article that provides a sound, comprehensive overview of the Russian plan. Here's the map showing that Russian forces are surrounding and dismembering Ukrainian military units in the eastern part of Ukraine. Okay, so there is a map there for those of you on the podcast. You cannot see it. Now, it says, here is Saker's analysis of the Russian timeline so far. Dismembering and disorganizing the Ukrainian military was achieved in the estimated 24 hours. Closing the operational cauldron behind the Yuki forces in the Donbass, the Ukraine forces in the Donbass, achieved in two weeks. In fact, it is even better. The Russians are now cutting the Ukraine forces in the Donbass into two smaller cauldrons. Uh, and they have a map of that as well. Within the same two weeks, Russia took control of the entire Sea of Azov coast and much of the Black Sea coast, which is now either under Russian control or under direct Black Sea fleet blockage. Also within those two weeks, Russia basically encircled Kiev. Uh, There's a map that shows you the situation around Kiev as it was today. While the situation on the south side is still unstable, combat operations are taking place, which is certain what what is certain is this. Only small secondary roads and open terrain are left to escape the city. Like everywhere else, the Russians have offered humanitarian corridors and promised safety and good treatment to all Ukrainian POWs. Nazis are excluded, as are foreign mercenaries. They will be interrogated and shot. But to no avail. The Nazi delegation cannot agree to anything because their bosses in Washington, D.C. tell them to fight down to the last Ukrainian, meaning that they'll even use the Ukrainians as their body shields. As for the Anglos Polacks and uh, company, they announce Russian defeats everywhere and every day. That's right. The globalist Western-backed media, the shamestream, lamestream, pedophile, uh, uh, legacy, fake news media. Oh, yeah, Russians being defeated. Oh, it's slowing down. Oh, it's not going so good for them in Russia. It says here, but for some unfathomable reason, they they all are safely tucked away in Lvov or even Warsaw. How surprising. Okay, and uh, I guess this is a map here, but it says, again, all that was achieved in two weeks and without numerical superiority. It says, so here's what the Russians may have decided. Begin with a tactical assault against the Ukraine forces in the Donbass. Bypass all Ukraine fortifications and cities which are not willing to surrender. Develop your tactical assault into an operational one by encircling the entire Ukrainian force in the Donbass. Move along the coast to liberate more appall, tactical, then continue further west, operational development. Clear the Ukrainian skies and quickly achieve air supremacy, thereby dramatically reducing the ability of the Nazis to run. The Ukrainians keep their supply lines open. Once the skies are safe, not so much for Ukraine aircraft, but for their air air defenses, uh, but from their air defenses, fully engage your rotary and fixed wing aviation for reconnaissance, close air support, moves, etc. Block the main Ukraine Nazi centers. Maripol combats well inside the city. Uh, Nikolaev combats all around the city. In Kharkov, they're blocked. In Chernikov, they're blocked. In Odessa, they're almost blocked. And in Kiev, they are almost blocked. Then wait for the city to surrender. 
For that, the city would have to get rid of the local Nazis first, of course. If they cannot do that, then use specialized urban assault to liberate the city and kill all the Nazis. But their order should be to save their own lives before saving anybody else. So this implies a very slow and deliberate gradual movement in the depth of the city. Next, destroy the long-range artillery which still strikes at the LDRN, that's the uh, Luhansk, um, Donbass region area, from several locations. Then blockade the remaining forces and wait for them to surrender. Strongly urge the Ukrainian commanders to avoid a useless carnage and lay down arms. If all else fails, say within a week or so, wipe them out. Literally and quickly. Once the entire Ukro-Nazi-controlled areas are declared open fire zones, the really heavy Russian hardware will take less than 24 hours to completely liberate the entire Donbass. Then liberate the south first, that is, the full Black Sea coast. Then begin to move forces towards the general direction of central Ukraine, or South Kiev, and wait for more strategic level decisions by the Russian general staff and the Kremlin. The United States intelligence community, becoming more of an oxymoron every day, was spooked last week when they picked up intel that Russian units that specialize in chemical and biological weapons were being activated. We now know why. Russia discovered that the U.S. and Ukraine were operating several chemical biological weapons labs in Ukraine, and the Russian army is in the process of securing those sites and rendering them inert. If you have not read the articles by Jim Hoft on this critical topic, please do so. Okay, so there's some insight coming in. Yes, Two Rivers, we all know the Kazarians are the Kazarian Mafia. <laughs> I don't know. Are there any Kazars out there anymore these days? How you doing, Two Rivers? It's good to see you in the audience, buddy. Okay. <clears throat> I think we're almost done here, guys. Yeah. Okay. We're almost done with Russia. Okay? We're almost done with Russia. Uh, I think we got about two more stories, maybe. Just wrapping up, uh, if you, in case you hadn't noticed, we have transitioned from the false flags and the propaganda over to the plan and the status of the Ukraine-Russia operation. Okay, so that's where we are right now. Okay, so uh, this one says Russian armed forces destroy 3,920 targets of Ukrainian military infrastructure, military of defense says. Okay, I think this one's kind of short, so we don't got to be too long on it. This is just so you guys get an idea of what they're doing over there. Putting numbers behind the article that we just read, basically. Uh, the Russian armed forces have disabled 3,920 facilities of the Ukrainian military infrastructure. As part of the special military operation in the country, Russian Defense Ministry spokesman Igor Konishnikov said on Monday. In total, 3920 facilities of Ukrainian military infrastructure were disabled since the start of the special military operation, Konishnikov told reporters. A total of 143 unmanned aerial vehicles, aerial vehicles uh, 1,267 tanks and other armored combat vehicles, 124 multiple rocket launchers, 457 field artillery guns and mortars, and 1,028 units of special military vehicles were destroyed, he noted. Over the past night, the Russian military have also downed four Ukrainian drones, including one Bayraktar TB2 combat drone, the official added. Uh, 
In the early hours of 24 February, Russia launched a special military operation in Ukraine after the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics appealed to help, appealed to them for help in defending themselves against the Kiev force. And then, of course, they just give you a uh, recap of everything that's been going on. The last two paragraphs uh, from the jump. Okay, so that's some of the damage that Russia has done over there. Uh, Okay, so Putin's spokesperson says that uh, Russians invasion is going according to plan. All right, that's not what we're hearing out of the West. The West is saying Russia is failing. Uh, Putin is uh, frustrated that the soldiers are um, demoralized and that they have a very low sense of morale. Let's see what this article says. This is from Epoch Times, I think. Yeah. Uh, The top Kremlin spokesman said Monday that Russia's invasion of Ukraine is still going according to plan. And within the time frame uh, that was approved in advance, the Russian armed forces are using modern high precision weapons, hitting only military information infrastructure facilities. All plans of the Russian leadership will be implemented in full within the time frame approved in advance, asserted Dmitry Peskov, a spokesman for Russian President Vladimir Putin to state-run media. Uh, Peskov declined to comment on how long the war, described by Russia's government as a special military operation, will last. Peskov also appeared to dispute a significant number of reports and claims from Ukrainian officials who said Russia was targeting civilian infrastructure, including hospitals. U.S. military officials have repeatedly said that Russia's invasion appears to have been slowed or even thwarted in some places by Ukraine's military. Satellite images that purported to show a 40-mile-long column of Russian armored vehicles remain stationed outside of Kiev for more than a week, although recent satellite photos suggest that the column has dispersed. But Peskov said that Putin did indeed instruct the Ministry of Defense to refrain from an immediate assault on large settlements, including Kiev, and said Ukraine's military and nationalist fighters placed military equipment in residential and densely populated areas. His remarks came after Russian National Guard Chief Viktor Zolotov noted that the operation was slower than they had hoped. Not everything is going as fast as we would like, Zolotov said in comments posted on the Russian National Guard's website, adding, but we are going towards our goal step by step and victory will be for us. Meanwhile, Ukrainian government negotiator uh, Mikhailo Podolyak, who on Sunday said Russia was beginning to talk constructively, wrote ahead of the talks negotiations, fourth round, on peace, ceasefire, Immediate withdrawal of troops, immediate withdrawal of troops, and security guarantees. He later said discussions had started, but were hard because the political systems of Russia and Ukraine were too different. Were too different. Podolyak said he believed Russia still has a delusion that 19 days of violence against Ukrainian peaceful cities is the right strategy. On Monday, there were reports of explosions around Kiev as Russian forces inched closer to the capital. Ukraine's state emergency service said that a residential building of Obolon was hit by shelling. Moscow on Sunday fired missiles at a base near the border with NATO member Poland in what Britain called a significant escalation. That's the Yaroviv military air force base that we covered with the 180 dead foreign mercenaries. Yeah, 
you got these yahoos in uh, Britain who are saying that Putin has just escalated this to an all-out war. And now they're saying that uh, Putin is going to invade Poland. That's the next talking point. Putin's going to uh, attack the rest of Europe using um, Ukraine as his launch pad. As if though he couldn't do that with, I don't know, Belarus. Anyways. It says here, uh, Ukraine said 35 people had been killed while Moscow said up to 180 foreign mercenaries died and many foreign weapons were destroyed. Okay, I think this is the last article, guys, and we're not going to read it. Ha ha. I just wanted to show you guys this headline. Moscow considers West's attempts to push Russia into storming major Ukrainian cities provocation. Okay, you see... When they get up there, and, and just based on the information from the last article, right, what did they say? They said that Putin ordered the military defense not to enter major settlements or major cities like Kiev, okay, because it'll be a bloodbath. And, uh, you know, you, uh, you uh, one article I read presented that the armed Ukrainian citizenry will have a gun coming out of every window, which I don't know how true that is. But I don't know how many Nazis are in uh, Kiev either. Apparently, there are a lot of them. So maybe there is a Nazi behind every window over there. I don't know. But they have decided to encircle the cities. And that's why you have reports of their, um, their, um, their forces just stationary. And then you have, you have uh, the West, Western-backed agency saying, Oh, well, Ukraine has stalled Russia outside the city. This is a little bit tougher for Putin, Putin than they thought it was going to be. That's right. Russia wasn't expecting Ukraine to stand so united when that is part of Putin's strategy. So the fog of war, the propaganda, all that stuff. Isn't it just so interesting to see this in real time and, you know, dissect it a little bit, you know? Uh, and again, the whole thing here is just this. Hearing two sides of the story and looking at what they're showing us on TV or in the news, whose side is more accurate? And which side is lying almost all the time? Okay, so that's all we're doing. All right, that's all we're doing. <laughs> but anyways, so what Moscow is saying here is when you go around saying, oh, neener, 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 you're losing Putin because you're stalled outside the city. He thinks that they're provoking his troops to go into the major... And you know that's what they want. They want... They would rather it be an all-out bloodbath than lose. The globalists would. They who fund the Nazis. They would much rather have that than would they rather have all of their forces, the sources depleted, gone. Defeated, ladies and gentlemen. Defeated. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your weekly Russia-Ukraine conflict update. All right, guys. Ah, what's this? Nah, we're done. <laughs> there we go. That's the photo I'm looking for. All right, guys. Well, I told you I was going to get as much Russia-Ukraine information as I could in an hour. We took two and a half. <laughs> I couldn't help myself, guys. Um, so maybe we won't have to talk about Russia tomorrow. I got a lot of other stories that we need to cover tomorrow. Uh, if you're joining us live over at thefoxhole.app, pill.net, 
twitch.tv, uh, rumble.com, or Clout Hub. Thank you for being live with us. We are live and in living color. Ladies and gentlemen, over here at the Sea Report, please, 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 if you are able to, make sure you go to thecereport.com. Join our mailing list. Uh, because uh, all of the uh, all of the web traffic servers are saying the same thing that they're going to start to banish, and they're going to start to shadow ban any website that is talking from the Russian perspective. And we publish stories and episodes about the Russian perspective since the beginning of this thing. Okay, so like the last two or three months, we've got nothing but this stuff offering you that counter uh, narrative. So uh, the seareport.com. Uh, and, uh, please make sure you follow and subscribe to our show, our channel on whatever platform you prefer, any of the five that I listed. And, uh, you know, you can also check us out on our podcast at anchor.fm slash the C report. And, uh, if not just search for us on your favorite podcast player, we are on Spotify. We are on go ogle. We are on iPodcasts. And I only say those names because they're the easiest to find. Okay, guys, well, we're not done with today's show just yet. As I promised, we would be uh, doing a watch party, so to speak, of the banned and censored President Trump interview with the Nelk Boys. I want to say like the Belk Boys for some reason. But anyways, as I was saying at the head of this episode, uh, you got like what? DuckDuckGo, uh, web, web hosting services. Uh, they're doing all the banning. We already know about the, the social media platforms, but all those other ones, they're starting to, uh, they're starting to shadow banning. If you offer a counter narrative and I think on the, sh- I think on the social media platforms, they're removing and ban and like kicking you out. If you share an alternative perspective on Ukraine. Uh, but you know, you know which ones would be doing that, obviously. Uh, just add DuckDuckGo to that list, unfortunately. But anyways, as I was saying, I don't know what the onion web is, Two Rivers. You told me Brave and QWarrant, and that's what I've been using, sir. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get to this, okay? Because uh, this, is, this is an hour-long interview. Um... If you haven't seen it, I'd say, hey, I haven't seen it yet either. So I'll, I'll be sitting here watching and enjoying it. But uh, again, do you think that they censored and banned this episode, this interview, because of anything that President Trump said? I don't think so. I think it's because of the demographic that he's standing beside. Because Joe Biden would poop his pants or he would make some racist epithet or he would offer someone barbecue sauce and a ride on his lap if he was talking to people this young, okay? He would not know how to handle it. And a man like President Trump, who's super cognizant and all together, right? Can just roll with it, man. Cause he's like, what? A people's person, you know? So anyways, that's why I think that this got uh, uh, banned. And, and other than that, maybe they just don't like the Belk boy or the Nelk boys, right? And you know this launched them. I never heard of them before. Never heard of them at all. But uh, this launches them. So now, like, you know, everyone's going to know who they are. And maybe they have a good show. Maybe they have a good point of view. They look like a bunch of cool happening dudes. I don't know. Here, if you can see the picture better. Bloop. Okay. Nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's go ahead and get this uh, thing going. And we have the full video interview 
available to us. Oh, I thought I passed through that. Okay. They kind of do a little chit chat. We're going to skip over the chit chat. We're going to skip right to where President Trump comes in the room. Okay. Let's make sure that volume's turned up. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the C report. And thanks y'all. Okay, I think we're good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, enjoy this interview. And uh, we will see you on the other side. Donald Trump is going to sit right there and be right here. Oh, God. Hey. Okay, I'll tell you, Dana White thinks the world of you guys. Really? The world. You know that, right? Yeah. And you like him. Of course. You better, right? Yeah. All right, good. Let's go. Pleasure and honor, sir. It was my honor. Thank you. Thanks, you. Thanks for doing this for us. Uh-huh. Thanks so much for doing that. Thank you. Good to see you again. Thank you. I'm doing this all right, great. So yeah, we'll go for it. We're at uh, we're at Mar-a-Lago. Can't even believe this is happening. We got Donald Trump, President of the United States. Round of you applause. Just, round of applause. Thank you. Round of applause, man. Thank you. We're really, really excited to be doing this. It's, it's my honor. My honor. You come highly recommended by Dana White, and that's good enough for me. So what did Dana? What did Dana say to you? How well, did they said you are a wonderful group of people. I guess you're friends of his, and uh, very you good do friends. The UFC thing. And uh, he's done an incredible job. And he, when he said that, I w- I've been with Dana for a long time. He's been my friend for a long time. And uh, I said, that's good enough for me. But you do. You've done a great job. We've become such good friends with Dana. We've always been fans of the UFC, but kind of met him through his son, was a big fan of our, right. of our content. So right. it's been a blessing to be able to be friends with Dana White. He's such a good guy. He is. He does. I tell you, I don't know what would happen with UFC without him. That's one man. They say... Uh, you can always replace somebody. I'm not sure if that man is replaceable. Definitely not. No. He's, uh, I know. He's what's the what's the UFC going to be like when Dana's gone? Well, he'll be there for a long time, so we're not going to have to worry about that, right? Don't you think? I expected you to be rolling in here with no suit on, coming off the golf course. I was expecting. Yeah, you always rocking the no, suit. No, I'm I'm a worker. I work hard. I work long hours. I work hard. I see what's going on with our country right now. It's never been in a position like this. Now we're going to get oil, I hear, from Venezuela and Iran. Now think of this, and Russia. Uh, If you would have told me that just a short while ago we had oil at $30 a barrel and even less, and now we're up to, you see what's happening today, you guys probably haven't because you've been sitting here for a half an hour, but uh, if you were watching every 
every 10 minutes is going, it's like, a, it's like a rocket ship going up and that's costing the world. It's cost, it's also fueling Russia, but it's costing the world. The energy has never gone. It just broke a record, an all time record uh, per barrel. And there's never been anything like this. And we had it down to $30 a barrel and really even less in a sense. We had a fight to keep it up because we had so much of it. We were going to be uh, twice as big as Russia and Saudi Arabia combined. And that would have taken place in a very short while. We were already energy independent and we were already became number one. And now they cut way back and it's all for uh, the environment. And we had the cleanest air and the cleanest water yet recorded during my last year. So it's uh, what's happening now is horrible. What's happening in Ukraine is uh, it's genocide. It's nobody's ever seen anything like it. And because of modern technology and the cell phones and everything, you get to see all of this, all of these atrocities. You, you're seeing them on tape, on television. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. So yes. would you blame the gas prices? Is that because of this conflict in Ukraine or is it like a combo of things? No, I don't. I think it's because of that a little bit. But uh, we right now would have been if we left our policies in place, we would have been able to supply the world with energy. And you probably wouldn't have a war for a lot of reasons. Number one, Putin would not have done it. He would not have done it. Uh, this would never have taken place uh, if you had a person that did very well in the election I'm being very nice when I say that, too. I'm being very kind. Uh, we did phenomenally in the election, 12 million more votes than we got uh, the previous time. Uh, if the election, if we were running, if you had the Trump administration in there, there would be no war, number one. Yeah. And number two, uh, energy prices would have been down. War or no war, they would have been very low because we were dominant. We were becoming, uh, I call it energy dominance. We were dominant in energy and getting more so by the day. Well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't there have been a war? Because you were in office? No, because I understood Putin. I talked to Putin. I spoke to him about Ukraine, and I said, don't do it. And I won't go into the exact conversation, but uh, under certain uh, uh, if certain people ask, I'll tell them exactly what the conversation was. But we look weak. We look stupid. Mm -hmm. We look like we don't know what we're doing. And nobody's ever seen a country like this. Uh, and uh, let me tell you, it really began not only with a horrible weak border, but it really began when they so incompetently withdrew from Afghanistan. I got it down to 2,000 soldiers. We were going to withdraw, but we weren't leaving $85 billion worth of equipment. We weren't leaving dead soldiers. And I spoke to the Taliban, the leader, Abdul, and I said, don't ever kill any of our soldiers. Don't ever kill one more soldier. We're going to hit you harder than you've ever been hit before. And we went 18 months without a soldier being killed without an American being, think of it, without an American being killed in Afghanistan. Not Democrat-run Chicago or New York, but in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And 18 months, and then they did this withdrawal, which after 21 years was the right thing to do, but we were doing it. That's why we were down to 2,000 soldiers, but it was so incompetently handled between the death and the $85 billion. They have better equipment than almost any country in the world. And now Afghanistan is one of the largest seller of arms anywhere in the world because they're selling it. I was going to say, Crazy. Afghanistan seems like it's overlooked at times right now. Like people forget about what's actually, what is actually the current state of Afghanistan right now? Well, I hear it's a mess. Uh, I hear we're sending a lot of money to Afghanistan, if you can believe this. Uh, they're asking for money. 
and we're sending it. Uh, they have 700,000 uh, machine guns, guns, rifles of all types. Uh, they're selling a lot of them. They don't need that many. They don't have, there's no way they can use what we left. They have helicopters. They have planes. They're selling equipment to other countries. They're giving equipment to China and to Russia because they're going to re-engineer, de-engineer. They're going to come out with a helicopter just like our great helicopter. We have the greatest helicopters in the world. They now have them and they're going to duplicate them. Uh, Afghanistan was, I think, the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country, the way we got out. Uh, we looked like we were surrendering, which in a sense, I guess they were. Uh, to take the soldiers out before you take the American people out, American citizens are over there right now trying to get out, they can't. Uh, but to take the soldiers out first instead of last, first you take the people, then you may take some people from Afghanistan, not hundreds of thousands. We have no idea who we took out. We have no idea who we took out. But to t we take the people and we take all the equipment. And I said, I don't want to leave a screw, a nut, a bolt. I want everything. What about the hangers, sir? Take them out. Mm -hmm. The big leather and plastic hangers with steel. I said, you take them out. You take everything out. What does that mean, take them out, though? Take them out. Take them out of the country. What you do is you take them, you take your equipment out. We left thousands and thousands of pairs of night goggles, never even unpacked, brand new, better than what we have, the latest model. Uh, all of the, I understand seven, 70,000, think of this, because who has anything? 70,000 trucks and vehicles, 70,000. There's no company in this country that has that many. And a lot of them are armor-plated, unbelievably expensive, like, you know, 10 times the cost of a vehicle itself. Uh, 70,000 vehicles we left there, trucks and other vehicles. Uh, and I, I tell you, so Putin was watching. We were all watching. You guys were watching. Mm -hmm. And the level of incompetence, and it looked like we ran the airport, the riot, the bombs going off, killing our soldiers, 13 killed, but many... Badly wounded. You know, they don't talk about the ones with no egg, legs and with no arms and as bad as that and worse, in a sense. I mean, some of our soldiers were so badly wounded, hurt, and nobody talks about that. We talk about the 13 dead. Uh, we talk about the unbelievable incompetence that that period, that short period of time had. But I believe that that was the beginning because Putin would have never done it with me. He would have never going to take over right. Ukraine. Do you ever talk to Putin still? No, I haven't spoken to him uh, since. But uh, he was never, ever going to, certainly under the Trump administration. And I say zero chance. I don't say like I don't think. Zero chance he would have done it. And I right. spoke to him about it. Zero chance he would have done it. Right. But you have he a good... Saw, yeah, he, he saw the weakness. He saw Afghanistan that... The way the incompetence of the withdrawal, the way they did it was so bad. Who advised them to take soldiers out first and leave people behind? And the soldiers were in no danger. We had, again, not one soldier was killed in 18 months, American soldier. Mm -hmm. And when they saw the incompetence, the gross incompetence of that, I believe that uh, Putin was became... A different man when he saw that. He viewed the United States differently. He no longer respected the United States. I believe that President Xi of China became a different man. They saw that too. 
And they see the borders that are open. They see all of the horrible things that are happening at the border where millions and millions of people are flowing in. We have no idea who they are. I mean, I don't know exactly what your audience is, but you probably have a somewhat liberal audience, a young audience, and that's good. I think it's pretty but whether you're, Republican, though, as well. It, it could be. A lot of support. But whatever it is, whether you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. But why this never so would good. have happened, why this never would have happened, the Russia-Ukraine thing, is because of your relationship, because you were stern with Putin. Is that why? Well, not because of my relationship, but really because of the fact I told him. He can't do it. So he can you pick up? It. So can you pick up the phone call right now? Make a call to Putin and say, as a you're not a president anymore, but as an American citizen, can you pick up the phone and so, somewhat resolve what's going things. on? First of all, you really have to be in a position where you're president, you are president, and you do that. And uh, this would have never happened. A hundred percent would have never happened. And we spoke about it because I knew that he had a love for it. You know, it, hey, look, they took over Crimea under Obama. And Biden, but they took over Crimea like, like Grant took Richmond. Okay, they took it over. It was very quick, and they took it over a major, very powerful section. Probably in many ways the most powerful section. They have their submarine bases, and they took it over, and that was it. Nobody did anything about it. Uh, under Bush, they took over Georgia, and I don't mean Georgia that we all know and love. I mean the other Georgia. And they took that over, and they took it over very easily without any repercussions, very, very easily. And now uh, they're taking over the whole ball of wax under Biden. And it's really, a, really a disgraceful situation. Uh, it would have never happened. And we did talk about it. I mean, he definitely wanted Ukraine, loved Ukraine, would never have happened. What do you see happening next then? Because it seems like the tensions are high. What? How does this all end? Is this going to be like a long-term thing? How do you see it unfolding? Well, I, and I said this a long time ago. If this happens, uh, we are uh, playing right into their hands, green energy. The windmills, they don't work. They're too expensive. They kill all the birds. They ruin your landscapes. And yet the environmentalists love the windmills. And I've been preaching this for years. The windmills, and I had them way down. But the windmills are the most expensive energy you can have, uh, and they don't work. And by the way, they last a period of 10 years, and by the time they start rusting and rotting all over the place, nobody ever takes them down. They just go onto the next piece of prairie or land and destroy that. It's incredible that they want But other forms of uh, green energy, they don't have the power to power our factories. They're extremely expensive. And I preached loud and clear to Angela Merkel, you are making a tremendous deal by making this deal with Russia, with Nord Stream 2. And until I came along, nobody knew what Nord Stream 2 was, and you guys know that. I was telling her loud and clear and publicly. And in fact, I sent her something as a little gift. It was a white flag. It was a flag of surrender. She said, but what is this? I said, that's a flag of surrender. So that when Russia... Uh, gets hostile, which they have. I mean, if you look at a history of a couple of hundred years with Germany and Russia, has not been exactly pretty, whether it's World War I, World War II. Take a look at what, what's gone on. I sent her the white flag of surrender because she said it was 45%. I said it's 75 or 80% of their energy, and I told her that. And they wrote articles about it two years ago. You should look at those articles. I was exactly right. I said... Russia has you in a position that you've never been in before if you do this deal. 
it's insane to do this deal. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? In the meantime, they closed down all of their plants. They closed down their nuclear, which even the environmentalists like nuclear, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. I understand both versions very strongly. But environmentally, it's probably the best thing. They closed down their nuclear plants. And they're reliant, and I will say almost entirely, if this thing ever played out, Germany is reliant on Nord Stream 2, the pipeline. And I sent her the white flag of surrender. That's what, And it's turned out to be true. Nobody brings this up because the press never likes to talk about it, but nobody brings this up. But I said, that's going to be, it's going to go down as one of the dumbest deals ever made, along with lots of the dumb deals that the United States is making. So now I hear, and you guys were here waiting, but while you were waiting, I was listening, that we're going to make a deal with Venezuela <laughs> to get some of their oil capacity. And we're going to make a deal with Iran that wants to build a nuclear weapon. I ended the Iran deal. They would never would have had it. We would have had a deal one week after the election. We would have had a deal with Iran, a really great deal. Because I told China, you can't buy. If you buy oil from Iran, there's no more business at all to be done with the United States. And they didn't. They bought very little. And Iran wanted to make a deal. Now China's buying massive amounts of oil. And Iran's becoming very rich. And just to finish off, the worst thing that's happening is that this administration and Obama, but this administration, Biden and Obama, and I was breaking it up, they have forced Russia and China together. They are now wonderful partners. And add one, add one third country to it, Iran. So they now have Russia, Iran, and China. They have forced them together with their stupid foreign policy. And there's never been anything like it. These people are incompetent. And the media is allowing it to happen. The media, the media is trying to say, oh, isn't this wonderful? This is so great. They don't say, we have a world now that's more dangerous than ever before. The incompetence of Obama and the incompetence of Biden mm -hmm. has forced Russia, think of it, Russia and China, from the time you're young people, you read that's the one you don't want to ever force. And they were natural enemies because of their border. You never want to force them together. They've been forced together. And now you add Iran because they're in the group too. And that's very lethal. That's very lethal. But, Donald, do you, does, does it suck that like... Because does it suck that you can't say these things because of big tech like censoring you and stuff like that? How, how much does that bother Such you? Such a great question. Uh, they, the press in our country, the media is very corrupt, hmm. unbelievably corrupt. If we talk about the election fraud, they will not cover it. Uh, three days ago, Wisconsin came out and they may decertify their election because they found so much fraud and irregularities, really big stuff. The media does not want to cover it. The media doesn't want to cover anything having to do with the election fraud, which is massive. They all say the big lie, the big lie. But the big lie, they should probably be sued for libel for saying it because you can go into all of the swing states and beyond, but all of the swing states, and you will see, and we have it. It's proof. We could, it's truckloads. The election fraud was massive. It's a massive fraud. I call it the crime of the century. We're doing a book on it. But it's the crime of the century. The media won't cover it. The media doesn't want to cover anything well, you're, bad. You're about banned. This. You're banned on Twitter. 
Yeah, how does that feel? Like, banned on Twitter. Like, is that this, Trump is banned on Twitter. So like, I went from hundreds of millions of people. Dorsey's in front. Jack was the CEO, wasn't Jack Dorsey was the CEO of Twitter? Yeah, he, he was. Is he still with Twitter? I don't know. No, well, he owns not. a big I mean, chunk of it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know I don't what think he's part of Twitter. Is, so, so is your Instagram. And by the way, Twitter's become very boring. Yeah, but what was that What was that call like when you got that call, <laughs> when you were finally, hold on, when you got that call when you were banned from Twitter, who gave you that call that said you're no longer allowed? Well, platform? I don't want to get into it because it's going to end up in litigation, but uh, we they banned the President of the United States yeah. for saying things like I'm saying right now, good things. Our country would be a lot stronger. They have taken our country to a level of lowness like it's never seen before. We are disrespected. We're laughed at all over the world. Right. And when you think. So anyway, I had uh, hundreds of millions of people on between Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, and others. And I went cold turkey. I went from hundreds of millions of people. You have a lot, but I had more. No, I know that, Don. Uh, I got you. Don't do the ego check, lot. all right? I, I got you. A lot more. Don, I, I understand. I, was, I got you. You don't got to check my ego here, all right? I got well, you. We were on your Instagram. I, I don't know if you remember. Level. I got it. Good. We did the, I don't know if you remember when you brought us up for the YMCA when we were with Dana. Great moment. Okay. Yeah, were, it was right. the rally in uh, Arizona. That was some rally. That so was, we were on your Instagram. You do throw some good campaign rally. I, mean, I tell you, your people are pretty loyal. Like we, It's pretty amazing. How Trump rallies are lit. Trump rallies are pretty insane. So we had a rally in Texas the other day, 87,000 people. And plenty of people couldn't get in. They just couldn't get in. Too many people. They called it Stampede. I, I spoke to the sheriff, who's great. Can you let those people get in? Thousands and thousands couldn't get in. He said, sir, we're worried about a stampede. You think of cattle, right, with the stampede. 87,000 people. Wow. 87,000 so, people. In Donald. We had in Alabama, we had 63,000 people. Uh, wherever we go, we have, you know, literally 50, 60, 70,000 people now. Uh, we have more people now than we did before the election. It's been amazing. Uh, there's anger. There's distrust. They know the election was rigged. It was a totally rigged election, like a third world country. Right. And they're angry about it. Mm -hmm. um, they're angry about a lot of things. They're going to be really angry when they start paying three times more for their gasoline. But the question is, Don, are you coming? I mean, I don't mean to ask it. So I think yeah. you've, hint you've hinted at it. Are you coming back and going to run for president of the United States? Well, you know, the campaign finance laws don't really allow you to discuss that okay. unless you're going to literally go through a different process. Uh, so I think a lot of people are going to be really happy. You guys might be really happy, but no, we're going to be. Happy. I think a lot of people <laughs> are going to be very happy. But I'll wait. how so? What do I'll you after, well, I'll wait till I have so many people wanting me to do it. I think really that a lot of people are going to be very happy. They are very unhappy right now. Look, their You're gasoline with the Democrat is going party, to triple, quadruple. Yeah. It's going. It's going to levels. A friend of mine said the other day, "Who's who's got money?" He said. I just paid three times more for gasoline than I've been paying for the last <laughs> three years. And he, he said, what are people going to do? He couldn't believe it. He goes to the pump and he gets a bill. You know, he gets a bill for exiles for years and it's fine. And all of a sudden it's three times higher than he's ever, than he's ever paid like before. Well, they just announced that it's now over $7 and it's over $5 in many places. And it was $1.87. I had it down to $1.87. And even less than that during a certain period of time. And the cost for a barrel was down to 30 and even less than that. Actually, we had so much energy that for a period of time, if you took the oil, take a barrel of oil, mm -hmm. they'll give you $36 along with that. In other words, now this was no good for Wall Street because they don't do that. They just do paper. They would have had to take, we had so much 
that if you take the oil, so you get a barrel of oil, here's 37. You remember that little period of time? Yeah, simplify everything for our audience today. Simplify everything, right? Right. So, no, you calling was, our audience dumb? Well, that's pretty no, simple. No, I wasn't calling our audience dumb. I'm saying I just want to, like, you know, continue, Don. Sorry, my apologies. So, so uh, we had the energy down the best. We had so much, but yeah. the energy was down so well. And we filled up the Strategic National Reserve, 75 million barrels. Hadn't been filled for close to 50 years, they say. And I filled it up because the energy was so cheap. The oil was so cheap. I filled it. We have strategic reserves that we need in case of emergencies. And it's, these are these massive salt caves under Louisiana and various other places. Right. And I said, tell me about that. And they told me about it. I said, because we can make a good deal today on energy. I said, tell me about it. I said, good. And we filled it up with very inexpensive. And three days ago, Biden announced that he's going to take that oil and put it out into the market mm -hmm. so that people will be able to get a little bit less than $5 or whatever it may be. But as great an achievement as that was, it's peanuts compared to the overall. I mean, it's like one day's worth of energy. But I fill up the strategic national reserves. The press doesn't talk about it virtually at all. That was an achievement in itself. And I filled it up for, you would have been proud, for the right price, okay? When it was low, we got it filled. And it was a good thing. And good for the companies, good for everything. And now they take it out because Biden wants to look better politically by having a little bit lower price. But it's not going to be a little bit lower. This, mm -hmm. the, the energy, the cost for gasoline, your heating costs. You know, the highest anywhere in the country is in Massachusetts and in, you know, certain places on the East Coast. You know who yes. supplies it? For the most part, Who's Russia. That? Russia is supplying oil on the East Coast of our country. And they have that, by the way, they have the highest energy costs in the country. Interesting. Yeah. Donnie, um, I wonder. Um, <laughs> it is sort of interesting. Well, I'm just saying, no. It's so is, crazy. Well, this is like, you know, I'm sitting down with somebody, the president of the United States, which is amazing. And what I try and do is obviously, I ask, back to Russia, Ukraine for two seconds. In my mind, right, I'm always like, hey, could this thing ever lead to a nuclear fallout? Could this ever yeah. be nuclear war? What is your take on on that? Is it just a scared U.S. citizen right now? Yeah, it's watching. Well, you should unfold? be scared because we have incompetent people heading up our country, who frankly got there through a fraudulent election. But regardless you of incompetent, be, but in regardless of incompetent people, yeah. immediate threat. How serious is the threat of nuclear warfare? I think it's serious. I think it's serious. I saw Biden the other day saying, "We don't want to fight Russia. They're a nuclear power." We don't want to fight Russia. They're a nuclear power. They're a nuclear power. And I'm saying to myself, it's such a signal of weakness. Now, is it correct? Yes, they are a nuclear power, but so are we. You know, I rebuilt our nuclear arsenal. Mm -hmm. It's bigger and better and stronger than ever before. We had to renew things that were 40 and 45 years old. I didn't want to do it, but we had to do it because we had no choice. I wished I didn't have to spend that money. But we had to do it because we had no choice. But not only did I rebuild our whole military, two and a half trillion dollars, during a very short period of time, we rebuilt our military, new jets. We had fighter jets that your fathers would have flown if mm -hmm. they were in the Air Force. They were, and, and in some cases, your grandfathers. Right. We had old bombers, old fighters. We, we have a brand new military. We have, we spent two and a half trillion dollars on our military. We have a beautiful military. One of the reasons that the Afghanistan, the incompetence of Afghanistan, the way they got out, it's because we have a great military. You know, I took down ISIS, 100% of ISIS. 
And we use generals, great generals. We have great generals other than the guys that you see on television who are incompetent. But we have great generals. We have generals that I dealt with that we took out 100% of ISIS in a very short period of time. And everybody actually admits that. They don't want to talk about it. But we have a great military, but we look incompetent. And it's a, it's a sad day for our military, and it's a sad day for our country. And yes, you do have a chance of World War III because our country is not respected any longer. And sometimes through this incredible... How do, how do we gain that respect, though? How do we gain that respect with everything in place right now? Biden's well, in office. We can't yeah, change that, right? Yeah. How do we gain that respect right now? It starts with the president. You have to have a president that commands the respect. Look, the European nations, they're friends of mine. And they smile when I talk to them privately. Mm -hmm. They've been ripping us off for years on trade. Mm -hmm. How many cars is Germany selling from America? How many Chevrolets are in the middle of Berlin? Would you say two? Because you'd answer. be wrong, because you're none. All right? How many, how many cars, and yet we sell their Mercedes, we sell their BMWs, we sell their Volkswagens, we sell... But if you try and sell cars in Germany, if you try and sell cars in Europe, it's almost impossible to do. Um, they were all ripping us off. Not only China. China was ripping us off the most. We had with China a deficit of $507 billion a year, okay? Think of that. It's not even sustainable. But things were really changing fast. But Europe was very bad. I mean, you know, now we're talking to Europe, but Europe was very bad. So now we're doing something that I heard this morning. Everyone said, oh, isn't that wonderful? Germany has now agreed to rebuild their military. And they've decided that they're going to go all out and they're going to now rebuild their military. Be careful what you wish for. Why is that? Well, take a look over the last two world wars. Take a look over the last two world wars with Germany. Uh, you know, there is a theory out there that Germany should not be rebuilding their military so much. And Japan is now going to rebuild their military. Uh, just be careful what you wish for, because uh, a lot of bad things have happened with those two countries and their military. And it's one of those things. And, you know, if, uh, if you look at when I came in, North Korea was a big problem. Obama said we're going to go to war with North Korea. And Kim Jong-un was a big problem. And he wouldn't take Obama's phone calls, wouldn't take any meetings with him, wouldn't do anything. And then I started with him, and it was very hostile for about a month, if you remember. Then all of a sudden... We met, we got along. We had no problem with North Korea. Now they're acting up again. And they're acting up again when they see the stupidity of our country. But be careful when Germany announces that they're going to start pouring the big money into the military. And so now you have Japan and Germany rebuilding again. What's that first call like, Mr. P uh, Mr. Trump, with when you try to get a hold of Kim Jong-un? Like, well, how does that happen? He actually called me, and we did get along. <laughs> like, that's crazy. I'm sorry to be no. laughing. I mean, no, you're the first, you're the first president was, to meet with I a am, North Korean leader, president. right? Yeah. So what's that first? So he called you. And we got along very well. Uh, I understood him. What's, and, like, the first call? Is he say, like, hey, what's up, Mr. Well, Trump? Well, it, like, it wasn't a call. We, we got through people. A meeting was set up in Singapore. And then in Vietnam, we had two meetings. But we didn't have the problem that the Democrats would have had. They would have had a nuclear war with North Korea. I have no doubt about it. Kim Jong-un wanted nothing to do with them. It, this was, look, this is years now. We would have had a nuclear war with North Korea. Who, who's coughing back there? Are you okay? Is that your crew? 
That's a, that's the media all, that's will a, say Trump's Mr. coughing. Mr. There must Trump. be something wrong with him. We, we run a COVID going around in Mar-a-Lago. There's COVID. COVID in Mar-a-Lago. We run a pretty laid back thing. We're all good. We're all good. But continue on. But let me just say, we would have had war with North Korea. North Korea is a major nuclear power. But I hate hearing Biden say, no, we don't want anything to do with Russia. They're a nuclear power, but so are we. And we're a bigger nuclear power. And we have brand new, because of me, nuclear weapons that we didn't have. And we have renovated weapons that were very old. And now they're renovated. And we never want to use them. And by the way, you know how you're not going to use them? By having them. If you didn't have them, we would have big problems. Mm -hmm. But we have them. But Biden shouldn't be talking the way he's talking because he's playing right into he's playing right into Putin's hands. Putin, I've never heard this from a leader outside of Kim Jong-un, I guess, to a large extent. But Putin now talks about his nuclear capability all the time. He said, this is a you do or the no fly zone. You do this. We're a nuclear country. And Biden's saying they're a nuclear country. Mm-hmm. It's so weak. It's sending such a bad. Would you have a no-fly zone? I have to say this: the the bombing of these cities indiscriminately, the bombing of these cities, and the killing of all these people is a tragedy. This is this is a tragedy like I don't think we've witnessed since World War II. No, it's crazy. What's going on? No, they're bombing. You know, in Florida, we're in Florida. You had a building collapse in Florida on the beach, as you know, through bad structural engineering or rust or something. A lot of people were killed in that building. He's bombing much bigger buildings and they're collapsing. And then they say, you see this massive building coming down all over the place. People are in that building, but you see the building come down and then they say two people were hurt. No, no, no. When a building like that comes down, many people die. It's not two people are hurt. But they're coming down all over and they're being blown to pieces. And so we had a a case in Florida, as you know, on the shore where a building collapsed for totally different reasons, but it collapsed. Well, buildings are collapsing now in Ukraine and there are tens of thousands of people being killed and nobody's reporting it. The press is trying to gloss it over. And I think if Putin is successful in taking over Ukraine, uh, depending on what your definition of success is, because, you know, potentially millions of people are going to die, and it could lead to mm-hmm. third world war, mm-hmm. by the way. It could lead to a third world war. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think what is going on now is a direct reflection on the Obama administration, because it should have never happened. Uh, Donald, so switching topics here. Uh, you've seen what happened to Joe Rogan, right? It's a hard segment. Yeah. Being called a, a racist and everything like that. I wonder, what's your reaction to when someone calls you a racist? Um, like, wh- what's your like initial reaction? Well, to that? it used to be a terrible reaction, but now it's everybody's called a racist today. Yeah. Anybody that's the enemy of the other side, people that are the exact opposite of racist are called racists. And it's a very hurtful word, but it's, it's lost a lot of its meaning because everybody is being called a racist today by the radical left when actually they're the racists. They're really the racists in the truest sense of the word. So, you know, they call Joe Rogan. They call they call anybody they disagree with a racist. So it, it, it tends to lose its meaning. And the people get it, you know, uh, with the um, black community, my vote was so much higher than in mm-hmm. the past with other Republicans, but with the Hispanic community, they're writing 
they don't want to write about it, but the Hispanic, the vote was so incredible. You know, the along the Texas border. The other night in Texas, I endorsed 33 candidates, and every single one of them won the election. There were a couple of runoffs, but they're all leading substantially. You have, I think, three runoffs, but they're all leading substantially. They'll win in the next two months. But we were 33-0. and 0. I didn't see any stories about it. I see no stories about it. Why do you think that is? Because the press is corrupt. They're dishonest. They don't want to say anything good is it about, all about Is it all about money, though? Because I feel like they don't – I don't feel like it's not actually about their morals. I feel like it's just about money. I don't think it's correct? money. I think it's the combinations. It's money and, and uh, power Interest, like, and something. It's something. They're sick. I mean something we deal with too is like we have our page and we're kind of controversial with the stuff we do. So we face a lot of censorship too, like something we all deal with. Our Our Instagram page got taken down. And they actually sent us a notice because it was too political, our full send Instagram page. And we were just posting all about the Afghanistan stuff, not even taking a side. Well, you know, look, at a certain point, they'll do it if they feel that they have to. Joe Rogan's not a racist. No. Okay. And he's a very interesting guy that people like listening to. Uh, but, you know, they've been hitting him very hard. I did tell him one thing. Stop apologizing. Stop apologizing. What was his reaction to that? When you, when you told I don't him know, that. because I got the word. I put the word out. Did he ever reach out to you about going on? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to ask my people. You know, I, deal Don's got people I have a lot of people. Don's got no, because I saw, I, I thought I saw back in, I think during the debate times, you said that he should moderate a debate. Yeah, oh, he'd yeah. Be much seen that, yeah. Well, he's much more talented than Chris Wallace. That'd be and, great. <laughs> no, he's a much more talented person than just about all of these moderators. Joe Rogan yeah. should moderate an uh, <laughs> No, I said let Joe Rogan. What yeah. if they let Don Lemon in? Well, look, you know, I called him the dumbest <laughs> man on television, so he's never going never gonna to love me. Uh, hey, hey, it's very interesting. Yeah. Here's a test. Are you ready? This is a test for everybody. It'll be a small group of people. This interview will have millions and millions of people, assuming it's not touched. Let's see if they allow you. I hate to say this to you because you guys are going to chicken out, I, I guarantee. We don't chicken out, Don. If you put up this whole thing, watch. We don't chicken out, Don. If you, <laughs> no, no, we don't chicken out. I'm telling you right now. You we don't, don't chicken out? out? Don, we don't chicken ready? out. Ready? Ready? Let's hear it. If you put up this whole interview, let's see what happens when Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of them yeah. take it down. And let's see what happens when they threaten you and all that. Because we don't have a free press in our country. Mm -hmm. We have a press not so different. This is the beginning of communism. We have a press not so different some, than countries we don't want to talk about. Do you remember during the campaign I said a lot, and really a lot, that if, we don't, if we're not careful, we're going to be a large-scale version of Venezuela. You know what? That's what's happening. Of course, now we're going to buy a lot of oil. We'll make... The few people remaining in Venezuela, including the dictator leader, a very rich man, that the fact that we're going to buy oil from Venezuela is is so that we even think about it is so incredible. But here's the deal. Let's see what happens to you when you say you're interviewing Trump. I get the highest ratings on television by far, by far. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of it. I did The Apprentice. Everyone <laughs> thought it would be off the air in yeah. two sessions, and it turned out to be successful. Big fan of the show. When I that. left, after it was a great show. I did 14 seasons. Yes, when I fan. left, 14. when I left, 14. We did wow. them, we did them over 11 oh, no, years. No, well, it was so successful was that they did two a season. With the Apprentice. He had it going with The Apprentice big time. Oh, no, it was, it was big time stuff. Yeah. And then when I left, because I left to run for president, that's the only reason I left, they picked Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he bombed. 
and they put Martha Stewart on, and she bombed. And the only reason I Wait, tell you bombed? that they bombed, bombed Arnold and Mar- Martha Stewart. Arnold, they, uh, did well, you know Schwarzenegger. that? Schwarzenegger. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger took my place on The Apprentice, and he bombed very badly. And Hillary Clinton recommended Martha Stewart, and Martha Stewart took. Listen to this one. I'm Cook listening. I'm listening. I'm just fascinated. By and Martha <laughs> Stewart was on. The, did you know that Martha Stewart did The Apprentice? No. You know no, why you no, don't know? know? Because it lasted for about two weeks. That's why. <laughs> and I did it for 14 seasons. But but here is here is the story. Let's see what happens when you guys get hit violently by the crooked media, mm-hmm. by the radical left crazy press that's destroying our country. Mm-hmm. You know, the press should be the policeman of a country, like for corruption and all the... They don't report corruption. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about the laptop. It's off-bounds. You can't talk about it. I don't want they to don't we're not scared of getting this. hit, though. I mean, I think I'm, that's why... Yeah, but you may be scared. No, no. Bob, he's going to what you wish for. Let me tell you where you'll be scared. When they say, we're going to take you off the air if you put this up, okay? Let's see whether or not everybody in this room, all you camera geniuses and young geniuses, a lot of people, <laughs> let's see how brave, when, when they say, because mm-hmm. you guys are doing very well, mm-hmm. and Dana thinks the world of you, we all think the world mm-hmm. of you, and I'm not even necessarily going to blame you, by will a little bit. If this goes up or not? You you'll put it up. Let's see what happens when they take it down. We're calculated, Don. No, I think I think we have I think I think it's a test. I don't think YouTube would take it down. There's no take way. Take down the, this the podcast. Interview. This interview. We can't control. I guess when you get there. threatened, we're, we're calculated. We know what's going on. When here. you get threatened with your careers, and maybe even worse, but when you get threatened, I with know, your that's what I'm remember of. this: we have more people out there than they do. We do. We have more people out there than they do, and. The people are really angry at what, what's happening in our country. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. I'm going to be watching you guys. You're young. You're smart. Mm-hmm. You're attractive. You're handsome. Wow, All of thank these you. Things. <laughs> let's see what happens. I wish girls told us When that. they say, we're not going to let you put that interview up. He talked about the election Now, this interview is going up, Don. They don't want to talk about election fraud. They don't want to say anything good about, anything good about uh, the kind of things that, yeah. that, in many cases, I think that you may agree with. But if you criticize Biden, which we're doing, because, yeah. again, mm-hmm. this war, this Ukrainian disaster should never, ever have happened. And, I, that's and it wouldn't thing. have happened. But, but yeah, it, we're definitely not scared of that because we're used to it. I think that's why we're here. Like you said, Dana respects us. People respect us because we never really gave a shit about stuff. This is now big time. This is now, I'm sorry. This is now big time. I think even right? when we met yeah. you, even when we met you before, when Dana brought us on Air Force One with you, even just us posting that, we got a lot of flack, but, I mean, we don't really care. And, and you get a lot of love, too, by the way. Oh, just so oh you my know, God. you got more love, love than love, you did flack. Love, love. I'll say this. A little flack, though, a little flack. We got a little flack for Don. We got a little flack for you I got, think we'd get more flack more? for doing something with Biden. We would, uh, we, well, you no, think, in our <laughs> fan base, if we did something with Biden, our fan base we would lose so many The difference people, is, they wouldn't try and destroy you. You let's see how you react. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm done. This I mean, is I, this big is, time. This is, I made it. I'm this just, is I'm big time. It. I want to see big time. And yeah. don't apologize, though. Don't apologize when they come at you. Please don't apologize. To be fair, I think we'd 
it's not like we're i mean we support you and stuff but with our platform we would have someone from the other side too first of oh, all but but they would the beginning but they won't do it they wouldn't do it okay i don't think nancy pelosi would ever sit she would never sit here's what we do we have we have a very 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 successful podcast because we bring in everybody we're not biased in any way shape or form we like to sit down with people that are involved in really big things that are happening in the world today but the other side wouldn't sit down the other side has not showed us respect like you guys have, which is amazing. Yeah, they, That's they, the difference. They may sit down, but what they will do is they will censor you. Exactly. They will do things to yep. you that you would not have believed because we don't have a free press. No. Nope. In theory, you should be able to talk about anything and you argue back and forth and the public will My career, My career is kind of already going this way. Well, anyway, no, so it, like, it, it, your career might go way up, but you, you may be without a platform or you may be without whatever it is. They will be vicious. You watch. And I just want to see how you, you're young, smart guys. I want to see how you handle it. Well, we won't let you down. But well, you will be it. Donald. I I, maybe you won't. Well, the good news is, can I, if I, if worst case scenario, I used to caddy at a golf club. Can I caddy for you? Absolutely. I'd love to have, you can be my caddy anytime. You sure? All right, cool. Anytime. Uh, yeah, but Donald, when you talk about like power and stuff like that, what's more like powerful to you, being the president or being a multi-billionaire, like owning real estate and like, what's your so, opinion on that? In the history of our country nothing like me has ever happened. I don't say that positive, negative. I, I, you know, you've never had a business. No, I agree with you, yeah. It was, I think, 93% politicians became president and 7% generals. So you had soldiers and you had politicians. There's never been an outsider. Uh, likewise, nobody's ever been treated as badly as I have by the fake news media, by, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And we do our own fighting back and all. But, I mean, if you look at their approval rating, their approval rating used to be like, through the roof because nobody knew how corrupt they were. And now it's, I think it's lower than Congress. The media is, which is pretty hard. I think it's lower than Congress. But um, I will say this in just an ending. I will say this. I'm going to be watching you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see how you handle it. Mm -hmm. And I hope us. I don't have to say I told you so. But <laughs> what I did say to people like Merkel is don't do it. And it turned out to be true. They did have one story about that today. Very interesting. I told her you're making a terrible mistake. I used to fight with her over it, the pipeline, because I said they own your country once you do it. But we're now forcing Germany and Japan to become major powers militarily. And there are a lot of people, including me, that say that might not be a very good idea. Be careful what you wish for. And with that, it's been a great honor. One more thing. I heard you're becoming quite the DJ here at Mar-a-Lago. I, I, I heard you're I, spinning. I, you DJ? Would you believe it? I love music. I have an aptitude for what music. What type Can of music? That? During, you know, over our lives, we take tests and aptitude tests and all this. I've always had a high aptitude for music, but I love great music. So do you actually spin? Or no, do you, I don't spin, what do you but use? I pick. I pick the ones I like. I don't want to spin. I want to pick the ones I what's like. Your, what's your like go-to banger on the Well, box? I have a lot of them. I have a lot of them. You know a song that does get people moving, though? You know, I'll play beautiful. Uh, I love Broadway stuff and, you know, Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis, et cetera. Uh, you know what gets them rocking? Okay. Y YMCA. <laughs> YMCA is a track. It's you an underrated know, track. Do you know, is it an underrated? I think so. Well, it gets a lot of views, I can say. But YMCA, uh, the Gay National Anthem. Did you ever hear that? They call it the Gay National Anthem. But YMCA gets people up and it gets them moving. Mm -hmm. But we have a lot of good selections and people love it when I do it. What's the best song to like transition to? Like YMCA to what? 
maybe like uh, maybe Mo Bamba. Maybe hold on, I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> so two a.m. You go to YMCA to hold on, we're coming, and that just gets the crowd. Well, going. you know, we just have a good time. Actually, we have great people. This has been a tremendous place, Mar-a-Lago. It's a private club. It's been an amazing place. What's uh, uh, what's your handicap right now in golf? So I'm a big time golfer. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, I've been a very successful golfer over the years. You oh, know, yeah. I don't play as much as you really should play if you want to become top top but i've been a very successful i've won many many club championships which is hard to do that's yeah. our major i seen you, you at a driver and uh you said biden couldn't hit it like that <laughs> well that i can tell you <laughs> that i guarantee you biden probably hits his driver like 120 well they asked oh, gary my. player the other night they yeah. said who's the best player how many presidents have you played with he said i played with seven who's the best player trump by far he said he's at least 20 or 25 strokes better than anybody else really and really i said gary isn't it more than that <laughs> but that's a big that's a big statement but gary player is uh, a great legendary golfer as you know but they hey, asked him that question and he said yeah trump by far are you like a shit talker on the golf course you try and get me no heads? no no you got to get the you got to get the job done yeah, you, you, know, get the job. So you, just execute. you can talk yeah and then you can miss the putt and all the talk is no good in fact it yeah. hits you so you still got to get the job done right yeah 100 percent Hundred percent. And, wow. and by the way, I do want to say you you look you look. But when you see Don, he gets a lot of shit for his hair and his ways. Like, I, like you look good. I feel. Don, good. He looks great. You look great. I you feel look good. good so far. So what's good. your like mental regimen? Like, like when you're in president, like you said, you slept like six hours a I night. Like, how do you? How do you do? You that? know what? I enjoy doing it. I love doing it because I was helping the country. I mean, look at what we did. That's the like things amazing. We did. Biggest tax cuts in history. Rebuilt the military. Biggest regulation cuts in history. You know that was maybe more important, and people don't talk about it than even the tax cuts. We had until COVID came. The China virus came in. We had the greatest economy in history. We were doubling up. We were going to double up on China, and everyone said China was going to take over. We were taking over. We were doubling up. And then it came in, and we did a phenomenal job. And then when, when I left, this economy was very strong again. Plus, we did Operation Warp Speed, which even, even the radical left, Biden tried to take credit for it. Remember, he said, uh, well, we did the vaccine. No, no. Even his own people said, you got the vaccine during Trump. But if you take a look, Operation Warp Speed was a trem you know, tremendous success i really believe that we would have had you know in 1917 a hundred million people died they say maybe it was 77 maybe but up to a hundred million people died i think we would have had the same thing had we not had a very very successful uh, operation warp speed and that includes uh, therapeutics regeneron all of this stuff that we did we had we have things that have been unbelievably successful not only by the way with with COVID, as some people call it, not only with the China virus, very, very successful in so many other ways with other diseases. And, you know, we've had a, we had an amazing administration, best job numbers in the history of our country by far, 160 million people working. It's not even close to that now. Uh, we had a great, great uh, four years, really. I mean, we had the three, we had the period, and then we had the COVID that, you know, was devastating for the world mm -hmm. we were the best to recover we made ventilators we literally made ventilators in a short period of time very complicated we were making them for the whole world we were sending them to countries that had no chance to ever get them mm -hmm. there were none i mean there were practically none and we did a great job and 
uh, I hate to see what's happening to our country right now. So, so if, if it's not you upcoming, who, who should it be? Who do you well, like? We're going to see. You like DeSantis? I, I get along with him. Great. I was the one that got him started. He came and asked for a, uh, a recommendation and endorsement. They said, if you give me an endorsement, I'll win. And I gave him an endorsement. He was at 3%. And after I endorsed him, he uh, took a lead that was not a beatable lead. Did so, you, you know, he got the nomination. You still got along with him? Did you see DeSantis uh, telling the kids to take off the masks? I don't know if you've seen that video. I, I haven't seen it, seen it. I haven't seen it. But it is time to take off the masks. Yeah, I agree with so you. So I would, I would agree if that were the case. Mm-hmm. So thank you all very much. Yeah, very I appreciate cool. it, Mr. President. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you this so much. Awesome. We have to free up the press in this country. If we don't free up the press, this country's finished. We appreciate it. Right, let's do that. some photos. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Secret Service is going to probably kick us out right now. But, guys, Full Send Podcast is officially number one now. I think it's safe to say. Um, subscribe. We upload podcasts every single week. That's it. Seriously, thank you guys. It's going to be a controversial Yo, one. Yo, this was a good podcast. I liked it a lot. Dana, just amazing, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you, bro. We, we fucking, you're the man. Can't, can't. Can't have cussing on the C-Report. Anyways, that was a really good interview, guys. I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, the audience is much different for, I guess, where uh, President Trump normally interviews. And then I think uh, the level that that uh, interview is at, the flow of it, the vibe, There's, it's real. It's real. You know, they're not being fake. None of them are, you know, least of all President Trump. So uh, I think that's probably... Well, I mean, you know, President Trump did also, also offer some pretty good perspectives, te- things to think about. Japan, right? Germany, building up the armies, uh, all that stuff. A little inside baseball. That was a really good interview, guys. I enjoyed it. Will I ever watch the Nelk Boys? No, because I'm not into uh, UFC fighting. But hey, more power to them. And uh, I'm glad we watched this video. All right, guys, so I think we're going to go ahead and end the night here. Uh, the flashing sign is hard on the eyes, the the uh, logo sign there. It's supposed to be subliminal. Foxhole, foxhole, foxhole. <laughs> I'm a terrible psyopist. <laughs> Anyways, oh, now someone's going to cut that out and be like, he admitted he was a psyopist. He was just bad at it. Just kidding. All right, guys. Two River says they didn't know, they just didn't know the really right questions to ask him. But you know, I think for their audience, they asked good questions and they were able to get into topics that maybe people, and I'm not saying people who are into fights and uh, listen to their show don't think outside of that. I'm just saying uh, it opened a lot of doorways that these people, maybe they've never mulled over those perspectives or those viewpoints, or maybe they've never even heard about them. Maybe their audience is not as engaged in what's happening in America as the podcast creators are. So it shall serve its purpose, guys. They always used to tell me, you have to think of your audience. And I was like, no, I am a selfish artist. Nah, just kidding. Well, no, I did used to say that. I was like, I'm not creating for anyone but myself. But you know what? I think that was pretty good.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call it a wrap there for tonight. It was a wonderful, youthful exuberance. Hey, MacGyver. It was a wonderful, wonderful uh, evening sharing it with you guys tonight. Thank you all for being here again. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be on Thursday and Friday. I think both days. They're actually remodeling my bathroom here at where I live. Not by request either. But hey, we'll see what happens. Uh, but in the meantime, in between time, ladies and gentlemen, as per always, as per the usual, uh, have a great night. Be safe and be blessed. And forever and always, God bless America. We'll see you next time.